Hello and welcome to episode 117 of the Filmiac Podcast. I'm John. I'm Kevin. And I'm JR. Today we're talking JR's pick, Pulse, from 2001, directed by... Now I am actually going to have to click through to see his first name. Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Uh, a Just a, a little horror. A little horror film from Japan. It is Japanese, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, we're also going to talk other things we watched. I don't think there are any trailers to talk about. Normally we would have discussed this before recording, mm. but there aren't. It's early. It's early. Trailers, trailers are dead, man. There's nothing coming out. I mean, plus it's the end of the year. Nobody gives yeah. a shit. All the trailers for the, uh, you know, all the, the sort of awards fair have started. I guess there is that. There is that one trailer from the Daniels. The guys who did um, the Dead Guy Island movie with Daniel Radcliffe. What's that movie called? <laughs> Swiss Army Man. Oh yeah, yeah. They didn't. They have a new one coming out called Everything Everywhere All at Once. I've been meaning to watch that for like a week cool. since Blake sent it to me, but I still haven't yet. <laughs> yeah, looks pretty good. How much? How much farting is in it? It didn't seem to have. <clears throat> <clears throat> Sorry, it didn't seem to have any farting. But and sure it does. But Michelle Yeoh uh, is in it. She's mm. the star. And she plays Weird. like a she plays like a normal like a Chinese woman who runs a laundry or something, and then she goes into the multiverse. Every all movies are about multiverses now, you know. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, like I'm generally one like why haven't they done like um, more adaptations of Michael Moorcock's work like. Like he, like, you know, he was a guy working in fantasy in multiverses and, you know, all this other kind of stuff, you know, back since the sixties. Like I know they made a film of, uh, the final program, but I'm sure it's, you know, just swinging London and doesn't really, doesn't really address entropy. Like, like the book does, uh, (laughs) I don't know, (laughs) but, uh, you know. But yeah, it's like I mean, instead like, of like where where is the Elric movie that, you know, arguably should have been made by now? Like an Elric, a good Elric movie would be awesome. And it's a bummer that they dumped you know all that money into Amazon dumped all that money into the Wheel of Time, which <clears throat> the first Wheel of Time book is just Lord of the Rings fan fiction. It's like let's let's do some like anti-token like fantasy yeah it has some really cool characters like elric why yeah. would we do that though because we we got to go well, tried and true lord of the rings is tried <laughs> and true well and, and amazon's also making a fucking lord of the rings series right yeah they just so made two double lord down of the rings series double down yeah but no we we need uh we need anti-heroes with black swords that steal souls there was also I mean, a um, oh, so sorry, many antiheroes. Feels like Elric could have, Elric could have had a moment like five years ago with mm. all the, you know, with every person being an antihero. Maybe that was like ten years ago. I think everybody's you know. still an antihero now. Okay, I mean, uh, you don't agree? I mean, like the I, big shows, like right now, I, I feel like are full of antiheroes. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like right. there. I feel like there's. Like it's the anti-hero like formula, but like I don't know that they're 
necessarily actually anti-heroes. Like, most of these people are, you know, like, sarcastic and, you know, mm. cuss and, you know, whatever, you know, do this, you know, all these other sorts of behaviors. But, like, when you get right down to it, like, they're actually, like, genuinely lovable people for the most part. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or, or you know, they, they have problems like normal people. So you want um, you want a show about a, an unlikable lead who you don't like and can't get behind. Well, I mean, <laughs> that would be interesting for sure. It would, I mean, well, like, like well, Breaking Bad Walter is that White, show. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, you you do Succession is that show okay. mostly, right? Oh, yeah, I haven't I seen, seen Succession, it. but yeah. I haven't I, seen it either. But based on what the people say, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, probably sure. <laughs> yeah. We'll just lump it in there. Oh, yeah, not? yeah. I mean, <laughs> give me it's always sunny, but you know, not a comedy. <laughs> See, it's like, but even even like uh, Breaking Bad, you know, is like, what would be really interesting is a truly unlikable protagonist that you just do not like. But see, the problem with that is then then you don't want to watch it, right? It's like, it's like even with Walter White, you can't get behind what Walter White is doing, but you still like Walter White, you know? You I mean, still like, you, you sort of... Um, approve of what of why he's doing it overall you know you can always in the back of your mind say well it's you know it's for his family and everything but it's like and um, they pit him against like they they make his wife such like a bitch that it's like you're right yeah you're behind him and not his very put upon wife they also make all of the people he's going against in the criminal world right like less likable than he is so yeah like i mean he'll you know like he's not very nice to a lot of the characters, but at least he's not a sociopath. He's not a right. neo-Nazi. Uh, right, exactly. You know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> or a child killer. Yeah. You know, although he does try to kill a child at one point. But anyway, <laughs> um, spoiler. Uh, but there is a, uh, you know, I was thinking, I've always thought like an interesting show would be like a show about a serial killer, but like like a real, like a real show about a real, like a, you know what I mean? Like a, a guy who compulsively kills like uh you know and it's just dark and there's no sort of uh <laughs> there's no sort of like you know redemption for him he's just a bad person who does horrible things and then at the end of the show he gets caught and that's you know that's mm. the end of it is that like do you know the show you on netflix that started on I, lifetime yeah i've oh, heard yeah. of it i haven't seen I, it sarah watched the first season of that and it <laughs> i mean it, like the first season definitely ends with like him just killing the person that oh uh, like yeah. you had hoped would like redeem him. Uh, I, and oh, but cool. that show is still going. I don't know. <laughs> I I read the first the first two books that that uh, show was based on, and like like that was one of the things I loved about the the characterization in the books. Well, the first two at least. The third I was like, no, fuck this. This is horrible. Uh, but the first two, it's like you really like the main character Joe, who's like the serial killer, like. Like, you know, you start to get to know him and like he's somehow becomes very likable and the people that he's, you know, trying to, you know, like the people he kills are also like horrible people and like, like just you end up rooting yeah, for see, him even though he's that's the, the serial problem. killer. Yeah, that's the problem. It's like Dexter, right? It's like Dexter is yeah, this show yeah. about a serial killer. Oh, but he's killing other serial killers, so it's all mm. good, you know? Which is like, that. it's it's just ridiculous, you know? I would like a show about a serial killer who kills innocent people. 
<laughs> I mean, that sounds horrible, but like, like a show from Richard Ramirez's perspective as he's going around Los Angeles raping and murdering in the early 80s. I don't yeah, know why. So. I don't know what would be Hard interesting so. about that, but it just it'd be. I know. I agree. I agree. <laughs> it would be like. I don't know. Like I just feel like there's something there that you know you haven't seen before. Like you wouldn't. You mm-hmm. wouldn't have seen. You always see serial killers from the perspective of the person chasing the killer. You know, you don't really ever oh, yeah, see yeah. them from the perspective of the killer, unless it's a situation like Dexter, where Dexter is mm. so charming and just delightful and handsome. I hate you know? that show. It's awful. It's truly awful. Um, I I hate I yeah. hated the ending. Like I I thought, like I I still don't understand. Like, you know, everyone just like, oh, Game of Thrones. Why'd they do that? And then it's like, y'all saw Dexter, right? <laughs> well, everybody hated I Dexter. To be fair, I, I mean, guess. But I, mean, I think everybody hated the the way it ended. But that's right. what the uh, the reboot is all about, right? Fixing right. the ending. Okay, I, I haven't okay. seen it. So. <laughs> won't won't check it out. Yeah, I'm, I'm avoiding. Um, but anyway, oh well. Just speaking of TV, real quick, because I don't know if I mentioned that. Did I did I talk about um, the the king, the mayor of Kingstown? On no the show. Okay, there's a show on um, God, Paramount Plus. Jeremy Renner. <laughs> no, I really don't. I really don't. Uh, it's a but it's a Taylor Sheridan show, mm. and I do like Taylor Sheridan. And uh, I don't he, think you do. I do. Sicario and Sicario 2 and uh, Wind River and this show. They're all good. Oh, this show isn't as good as those things. But Do you like Hell in High Water? I did like Hell in High I didn't love it, but I three and a half, so oh, okay. it's all right. <clears throat> it had its moments. Um, anyway, the mayor of Kingstown has... Uh, it's All the episodes are written by Sheridan, and some of them are directed by him. And uh, it stars Jeremy Renner. And it's got really great moments of like... It's hard to explain. It's what it's what um, Sheridan does best. It's like that procedural military sort of uh, like tactical stuff that he gets so right. Like in Sicario, especially in Sicario Two, like just the way like people handle weaponry in the, in the in his in his films and things like that. I don't know. It's it's difficult to explain. When you see it, you you know it. You know. And he uh, there's a lot of scenes of like the in, in this show of like uh, SWAT teams entering buildings and like murdering people, and uh, it's just all very very compelling. And Jeremy Renner plays this character who's like, uh, I don't even understand entirely what his function is, but for some reason everybody in the town comes to him with their problems and he helps solve their problems. Because he's just really good at like manipulating everybody around Wait, him. Isn't it about like private prisons? It's about prisons, yeah. But he doesn't. That's the thing. It's like it's about these four prisons that are in this town. Four. Oh but but he yeah. Well, it's true actually. Apparently, there is this town where there are four prisons and this and like the whole everything ba- is based around these prisons. And um, but he doesn't have anything to do with the prison. That's what's weird. It's like he doesn't own the prisons. He doesn't even work for the prisons. He has like an office in a building and for some reason he's able to like tell people what to do. It's really strange. I mean, honestly, it's a little bizarre. It's like you watch it and you're like, why does this guy have this much power? And they never really explain it. Like his brother initially, Kyle Chandler uh, plays his brother and he's like the guy who's like the man and everybody's coming to him. But then he sort of uh, goes away after the first episode and Jeremy Renner is the guy. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to spoil anything. 
you know, Jeremy so Renner. Kyle, so Kyle Chandler dies. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Jeremy Renner becomes the guy. Yeah, and that, that's the only that's part of my big complaint about it is that it's just like sort of bizarre that anybody would. I don't understand why anybody would listen to Jeremy Renner. About you know what anything. actor I like more than Jeremy Renner? Almost every actor. Kyle Chandler. Love love Kyle. Oh really? Yeah, mm. big Kyle guy. I mm. I don't know if I can agree with that. Yeah, I don't. He's okay. I don't know. He he rubs me the wrong way sometimes with his choices. Like in specifically in uh, in Wolf of Wall Street, like I really I like his FBI agent, but when he is talking to uh, DiCaprio on the boat, and at one point he just like he just starts cursing out of nowhere, and I'm just like he hasn't cursed at all. And I thought I thought he, his character. Is like the antithesis of I know. DiCaprio's character. He shouldn't be cursing. DiCaprio well, does and, all the cursing. And that might be, yeah. Like, just like associating Kyle Chandler with uh, like broadcast, like network television. Yeah. It's like that dude's never cursed. He doesn't know how to curse. <laughs> I didn't watch Friday Night Lights, to be fair, but. Me neither. I know you guys didn't. You guys don't know what's good for you. <laughs> I don't watch network television. I know that's not good for me. <laughs> Uh, Except Frazier. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyways, Mayor Kingstown, worth a poke if you have Paramount Plus. If not, don't even. And you know we it. don't. You know well, we don't. Well, I don't. We don't I don't know, know why that. you do. Well, I, I have do Paramount now. Plus. Be, I I I because know why. Apparently, no, 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 no. I don't watch Frasier on Paramount Plus. It's not even on there. But you're gonna it's watch. On, the, you're gonna watch the reboot on Paramount Plus. I absolutely will do that. It's on if, uh, Paramount Plus. I mean, uh, Frasier is on Hulu. I have Paramount Plus mainly because uh, the Challenge All Stars is on <laughs> Paramount Plus, and there are old Challenge seasons on there, which I've been powering through. Mm. I love the Challenge. I know I, I've never. That's not true. Like I saw the Challenge like back when it was still like Real World Road Rules Challenge. Mm. Oh yeah, it's definitely not that at all anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, now nowadays it's people from. All kinds of reality shows from all over the world okay. competing. I've I've like thought about where are they still finding contestants who are on road like road rules. Oh yeah, they yeah. Well, they're they actually about that they're, so long. They're about to reboot Road Rules for Paramount Plus. Oh, really? And they might grab people from. The, I doubt they will I... though, because they usually they get people from like Survivor Ukraine and stuff. It's like <laughs> like really what? out there, like Eastern European countries, African nations, like all kinds of different places and they get this they get all those people and yet the the winners of this last season are uh two americans <laughs> so the americans still crushing it wow. uh, we're, we're the best and it's we're, like a 40 year old winners we're the best it's like a 40 year old guy who's been on the show like 20 seasons and he's still oh winning god damn so. but oh that's not god. even on paramount that's on mtv proper i watch all stars which is on paramount which is like all the really old people what well, does paramount own Paramount, it, is, yeah, they, it's all under an umbrella. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Paramount, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, but they don't show the new episodes of the Challenge on Paramount Plus. They only show Lame. Challenge All Stars. This is really boring for most people, I think, to even discuss. <laughs> but uh, anyway, let's cut it out. Let's well, cut it out. Yeah. I don't think anybody cares about the Challenge. Uh, anyways, let's yeah, let's talk about what we watched. Wait, real real quick though. Oh, go ahead, Kevin. Are you watching Yellowstone? Doesn't Taylor Sheridan no, do that? I I tried to. I uh, rented Yellowstone from the library. Mm-hmm. And I watched the first half of the first episode, and I just wasn't doing it for me. I don't uh, know, man. I feel like Bill, I could. 
What? Will you watch the Yellowstone prequel that will be on Paramount Plus? 1883? Yeah. I absolutely will not because... I think you have to give that one a chance. No, no way in hell. If it had actual actors in it, I would watch it. If it wasn't country music superstars in it, I... I, I Doesn't it have Sam Elliott? Yeah, but it's the stars are Trace Atkins or who or Faith Hill and her husband. Who was her husband? Is it Trace Atkins? Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, these aren't <laughs> actors. I'm not watching. Tim this McGraw show. was great in the movie version of Friday Night Lights. <sighs> See, oh, I'm, I'm kidding. It's like these people who defend. Well, I mean, that's not even fair because I like. I was going to say people who like argue that Dwight Yoakam is a good actor, but I mean, he is. He's he's all right. He's fine. See, the, these guys he, suck. He yeah. Yeah. These guys suck. I'm not into it. Dwight Yoakam was great in Cry Macho. Am I right? <laughs> he he was he was no. how he got the one star. <laughs> yeah, no, he was horrible. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, I won't watch 1883. Oh, okay. I don't know. It's just not for me. It looks like a. I don't know. Like I'm just not interested in. Who knows? I mean, it could be. Who? Maybe it's awesome. I don't even know. But, but yeah, like that's the true reason that you have Paramount because Taylor Sheridan apparently is just doing stuff over there. Well, you know, Yellowstone's not even on Paramount Plus. It isn't. So, no, but the prequel will be. The prequel will be. I think it's a. I think it's only Paramount Plus. I think it's a Paramount yeah. Plus original. See, this is the I big mean, problem with Paramount Plus. Episode, like, apparently, nothing is on there that you think is on there. Well, I mean, it's got. I mean, it's got everything I want to be on. It's got a lot of really good movies too, like a ton As... of uh, Mario Bava movies and stuff. Like, it's got yeah. a lot of weird, sort of obscure cinema on there like this netflix is, I mean, before this, it got real big yeah this is what happens when like you start a new streaming company but you haven't been planning to start that streaming company for like 12 years so all of the stuff that you own is licensed to other entities and yeah, yeah but that's I mean, weird though right because it's like well how would i don't understand why yellowstone it's not in syndication yet like it's just a regular it's a still on a broadcast show it's like a it's on paramount yeah, but, network but they make streaming deals for shows now so that like they can sell That's the true. rights to one season or, or you know and in continuing seasons but it's but like where is like, you but don't it's wait like the end of it anymore that would that would assume that yellowstone is streaming elsewhere isn't it i don't know no? is it okay i don't know oh it's on peacock oh you're right it's on peacock mm. they must have licensed it to peacock before they started and that's like Damn. Like the Disney Disney owns the last duel. Disney distributed it through like you know like through twentieth uh, century, uh, formerly twentieth century Fox, but twentieth century Fox had an old deal to uh, stream everything through HBO. Like like mm-hmm. HBO gets the first window, and so like the last duel is going to be on HBO Max before it ever ends up on Hulu or Disney. Just weird. As long as like it's this. in four K, I'm happy. And rewatch it in four K. I'm I, I I don't want to spoil anything here, but it's making a push to my number one at the moment in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. We'll have to see. <clears throat> That's um I heard someone on another podcast basically do that too. No, so, this is uh, not the same as that. That guy's insane. I'm not insane. Um <laughs> What are we even talking about? Did we watch movies or did we only watch <laughs> shitty television? I'm ready to start talking about shows. I mean, movies. Cut, yeah. shows. cut this all <laughs> out. Movie. Cut the last 20 minutes out of the podcast. Let's go. Here we go. Who all wants right. to start? 
Well, I can't take that on. No, I'm just kidding. I'll uh, I'll start. I'll uh, I got. I got only 2021 stuff. Um, I watched a what I thought was a really cool horror movie called The Night House, um, which premiered at Sundance in 2020 and finally got a release uh, in the U.S. in August 2021. And it uh, stars Rebecca Hall and like a you know bunch of other nobody people. Yeah, but like everyone else that's in it is, is barely barely in it this is definitely the rebecca hall show mm. uh and yeah it's just kind of like a haunted house deal where rebecca hall's husband takes uh takes their little boat from their lake house out into the middle of the lake and just fucking shoots himself in the face mm-hmm. um rebecca hall is just kind of in the throes of grief in this kind of big lonely lake house and uh her husband's ghost appears to be haunting that house. And, uh, yeah. Her Stacey late husband Martin. also... Yeah. she's She's, she's got a scene. Sorry, I'm just reading no, the yeah. past here. <laughs> but, yeah, her, uh, her late husband appears to have been keeping uh, some secrets, some dark stuff from Rebecca Hall. Uh, and, you know, Hall's character is just especially abrasive. She is not a likable person. It sounds like... <laughs> Even before she was, you know, widowed, she was maybe uh, hard to get along with. Uh, she is a, a high school teacher, and we get one scene with mm-hmm. her. Like, it's the day after the last day of school. Her interaction with a parent is is great. Uh, she's not very nice, and I love the fantasy of being mean to a parent. Yeah, uh, me too. That's who great. comes in just asking, why did my son get a C? Um yeah, it, but uh, she is awesome. She does not, like, she establishes this really early on. She, like, she is not, like, she's scared of the stuff haunting her, but she does not run from it. She, like, actively and immediately wants to confront and even, like, attack the horror. And the way that, the way that, like, the horrors manifest are often, like, sort of, like, in this, like, weird shape. Of her husband, they, they do a lot of things. There's a lot of like sound stuff, turning on uh, stereo systems and shit. It's really loud. It's a really loud movie. Uh, but the like ghost is often visualized like in this very weird, like negative space, uh, created like using like forced perspective, I think, uh, with like other shapes in the house, uh, and it is really cool looking and the way that she like sees those things and tries to confront them is is awesome um the movie introduces like some really weird like folk horror elements and you guys you guys just know i love that folk horror nonsense i love it i'm a sucker for it uh but they like they never really explain how everything fits together and like it just it makes you do a lot of work trying to figure out what these things mean, and I just really enjoyed that. I love the way this thing is written, and uh, I don't know this uh, this director David Bruckner and these writers Luke Pietrowski and Ben Collins. They did uh, something really cool, even though like a lot near the end, like because you don't always know what's going on, like it just feels like really messy. There's one kind of like cgi moment near the end that's like oh that looks like garbage but it's like one moment uh 
where many other moments look good. Well, we know how much you forgive those kinds of moments <laughs> I after do, seeing yeah. Pulse. <laughs> and and also introduce the red elements and I don't, I don't care. We we've got this we've got this weird fucking voodoo doll. What? We've got a like a We've got like a Scottish mythical maze idea. What? Love it. I'm in, in this movie in Nighthouse? Yes. In Nighthouse. Right. I'm download well, I'm I'm going to watch it soon. <laughs> I didn't think of that. I didn't say that. I'm gonna watch it it's soon. On, it's on Blu-ray. I rented the oh, Blu-ray. Oh yeah, I'm gonna get the Blu-ray mm. for sure. <laughs> I'll run out and buy that thing right away. Right. It's just blind. Alright, cool, man. Kevin? Okay. So I watched John Woo's The Killer, starring Chow Yun Fat and a guy who plays a cop who I thought was fucking great, whose name I'm actually going to take the time to look up. Tony Lung? No, actually. <laughs> Different. For once. Different movie. <laughs> you guys rave about Tony Lung. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's great, you know? Uh, you wish he was the cop in this yeah, movie. Yeah, Dan- Danny Lee Sao Yin. Like, the... The interactions that these two have as like hitman and uh, pursuing police are great, mm-hmm. and like the this sort of like in- short, intense friendship that they that they have is is really great, and like John Woo's '80s action movies are just fucking great, and like you know I hadn't I hadn't seen them like I've seen you know like face off and like other like John Woo stuff but like it's not until like you know now that I'm in my mid 30s that I'm seeing his 80s action stu- 80s Hong Kong action stuff but yeah I thought it was great and like um like it's about this it's about a hitman Chow Yun Fat who accidentally blinds this uh singer in a club and like so he's trying to like help her and take care of her and like get money to have her corneas replaced while this other cop is chasing him and while these other triad dudes are are like you know you know you you broke you broke the uh the unwritten law and uh so now you have to die and uh a lot of birds a lot of a lot of churches uh well one church but a lot of scenes in this one church but uh a lot of blood lots of blood (laughs) lots of blood but yeah it's just great yeah i think it's crazy i was looking at uh after you logged this i started looking at john woo's filmography mm. and i can't believe that neither of you have seen a better tomorrow too i yeah. like <clears throat> i want to it's it's like this most i feel like it's his most insane action sort of thing in the 80s. His most insane Hong Kong, you know. Oh, okay. Bullet ballet sort of. It's <laughs> nice. It's been long enough uh, since I've seen the first A Better Tomorrow that I feel like I have to watch A Better Tomorrow and then I can watch the second one. I guess. And then I can watch the third one. <laughs> Is there a third one? See, I didn't even know yeah. that. Yeah, I've got the Did, third No, one. the third one's not by Wu, though, right? No, it's actually, uh, I think it's Sui Hark. Right. That's who right. I remember I seeing that. really like. He's a he's a very good director as well. Yeah, this guy loves uh, Suey Hark. I do. I, yeah. 
I've seen that's uh, not embarrassing to me. No, I no, that's a little bit. I've never seen a Sui Hark film. I don't know. Um, but anyways, yeah, Better Tomorrow Two was a, a huge uh, squib movie for us when we were kids. Me and my buddies would watch the scenes from mm. A Better Tomorrow Two. I bought the DVD for like forty dollars at like a Sam Goody in Tennessee, wow. and uh, we just we we wore it out watching those scenes. Nice. Got your money's worth. Oh yeah, I'm actually yeah. I don't. I, it's been a while. I haven't seen any of these in a long time except. I think I watched The Killer most recently. Mm. Wait, that's. Uh, I feel like it's been the longest for me for The Killer. Yeah. I, I remember The Killer being better than Hard Boiled, but I've seen Hard Boiled much more recently. What do you, I remember. Kevin, which yeah, one's I, don't, I don't think I like Hard Boiled. Well. I feel like. The one with the baby? Yeah, I don't know. Well. <laughs> it's been a while, though. I, I started watching uh, John Woo's uh, Red Cliff. Um, yeah. The part one. And there's a scene where this, uh, you know, it takes it takes place in like 208 A.D. in China, and like there's this there's this part where this dude slings a baby across his back. It's like, all right, we got to fight our way out of this. It's like, <laughs> like I, I was just I was just thinking of that meme with uh, the um, the chief from uh, uh, what's what's that Andy Samberg show. The cop show, oh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, that's it. Nine, Nine. Brooklyn Nine Nine, like, like John Woo looking at a script without a baby in a fight scene. <laughs> I specifically requested it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which one is the one where they call the, each other Dumbo and Mickey Mouse? Is that the killer or is that hard hard boiled? No, it's like Shrimp Head and um, uh, what's the other one? Is it? Is that they don't say Dumbo and Mickey Mouse? I swear to God, they say Dumbo and Mickey Mouse in the one I watched. Uh, maybe it's like a different sub now, maybe. or something. Um, but yeah, in the killer, That's they weird. they call each other Shrimp Head and something else that I can't remember right now. Um, but yeah, huh. like my my initial instinct would be to say Hard Boiled is better, but I gave them both four and a half, so that it's kind of splitting hairs, you know? Right. Um, interestingly enough, David Fincher's next movie is called The Killer. Right, but it's based on, like, a French, uh, comic. Well, that's good, because I love French comics. Oh, yeah, you're... <laughs> you're a heavy metal... You're, you're not a heavy metal guy, you're a, um... A, a, metal or long. Yeah. <laughs> that. Um... um. I yeah, he am. called. They call, it says it says in some dubbed and subtitled prints, his nickname is Mickey Mouse or Butthead, and then the <laughs> other one, Danny Lee's nickname is Dumbo or Numbnuts. Mm. So, yeah, just alternate subtitle versions. That's weird. That's man. so s- stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Pretty cool. All right. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, uh, I watched. Um, I'll go next. I watched uh, the Power of the Dog. The new Netflix movie from Jane Campion, <clears throat> which is getting a lot of Oscar buzz, and I believe was just nominated for at least one Golden Globe, if not more. I Am mean, I right about that? It was not. He got nominated, right? Didn't it get a Best Drama nomination? It got. Let's see. I'm almost. I think. There. I think it I got like remember. seven Golden Globe nominations. Oh, Golden. You think that would be like the first one? Here we go. Best Picture performance by an actor. Kirsten Dunst got nominated for supporting actress. Cody Smith McPhee supporting actor. 
Campion Best Director, Campion Best Screenplay, and Johnny Greenwood for score. And I will say that this score, along with his score for Spencer, are some of the best work he's done since There Will Be Blood. It's just absolutely brilliant um, orchestral stuff. Uh, really interesting minimal piano in some parts. I don't know. Really good stuff. Um, but yeah, this movie's about a uh, a ranch in Montana in the 20s. And Benedict Cumberbatch and the kid from Breaking Bad. What's that guy's name, man? Clemens? Jesse... <laughs> Jesse Plemons, yeah. Uh, he and Jesse Plemons are the brothers. The kid from Friday Night Lights. Right, I know. I almost said that, but then I was like, that's disingenuous. I haven't seen Friday Night Lights, so <laughs> he'll always be the kid from Breaking Bad to me. Um, Jesse Plemons and Benedict Cumberbatch are brothers. They own this ranch. They're, you get the impression that they're very, very wealthy. Um, but Jesse Plemons sort of uh, dresses nicely and is a bit of a... He's less interested in the work of the ranch and Benedict Cumberbatch is like all about getting down and dirty and like mm. rustling the horses and being out with the fellas, you know. And they're always talking about their buddy Bronco Henry, who ra- who like sort of like raised them in the ranching ways, but died a long time ago. And uh, Benedict Cumberbatch has like fond memories of him, and Jesse Plemons it seems like less so. So there's like this weird like veiled uh, sort of anxiety about that. And Kirsten Dunst plays a widow who, I don't know if she's like a, she, she like run a, I don't know if she like runs a restaurant or something. There's like a restaurant and she makes food there, but I'm not sure if she owns the restaurant or what the deal is with that. But anyways, uh, Jesse Plemons falls in love with her and he asks her to marry him. And she does. And then she moves her kid in with them. And his name is Cody Smith McPhee. Well, his name is not Cody. He's played by <laughs> Cody Smith McPhee. And uh, <clears throat> his name is Peter. And he is very, very obviously homosexual and effeminate. And uh, it's definitely not working for Benedict Cumberbatch or any of his ranching crew who are obviously, you know, extremely homophobic. Uh, so much so that it's, I feel like it's a little obvious where this is going, right? Mm. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, the lady doth protest too much, right? It's... Uh, and and the way he talks about Bronco Henry and everything else, it's uh, it's pretty telegraphed, I'd say. You know, hmm. um, what Benedict Cumberbatch is, uh, where his feelings are coming from. But there's more to it than that. It's not what really what the film is. Uh, you know, if you read about it, you'd if you read the synopsis rather, you'd you'd think like you know, okay, but the movie's about Benedict Cumberbatch is an asshole and he just sort of like, uh, as the synopsis says, he torments these this family, essentially, with his awfulness. But that's really only like half the movie, and then the second half sort of changes, like switches gears. And uh, I'm not sure that I'm a huge fan of the way that it switches gears. I know that I'm not a fan of the way it ended. Uh, it explains way too much in the last five minutes about the things that you've seen in the last 20 minutes. And it's just completely unnecessary. Like, we didn't need the sort of expositional composition shots that Campion gives us at the end of the film. And uh, without that, I think it would have been at least a four. But for me, it's just, it just didn't, it's not like it fell apart or anything. I mean, it's a very well made movie. It looks good. It's shot in New Zealand, 
which you can sort of tell because it's like those mountains look like New Zealand mountains. They don't really look like Montana mountains, but mm. they're just a little too green, you know? <laughs> but uh, everybody in it's pretty solid. Kirsten Dunst is just like a morbidly depressed alcoholic the entire movie. Plemons is like sort of delightfully oblivious to everything that's going on. He sort of reminds me of his character in that um, Kaufman film. You mean your favorite movie, movie of 2020? I know, right? What, what was that movie called? <laughs> thinking of ending things. I'm thinking of ending things. He reminds me of that character. Like, he's just sort of like... Six out of five raved about it a year ago. Can't remember the work. I love the it. I still remember a lot about it. I just don't remember the name, okay? Um, <clears throat> yeah, Adam Beach is in this. He has no lines. Shows up for one scene. Plays an Indian, of course. And, uh, yeah, Thomas and McKenzie's in this, so it'll be a five out of five for oh, JR. Oh, shit, I didn't even know that. She's only in, like, two scenes. She plays, like, a maid at their ranch. <laughs> I don't even need to watch it. I'll just go ahead and log it. Log the star rating. <laughs> anyway, yeah, and Benedict Cumberbatch, I mean, he's obviously, like, the, the performance here that you're, you know, everybody's raving about. He's good. I mean, I don't know that it's any sort of, like, revelatory... Like, he's not doing anything that interesting. We've seen this character before a lot of times. Mm. And to be honest, his American accent, he seems to only be able to do one American accent, and it's the Doctor Strange accent. Mm. Like, that's his American accent. He can't do anything else. He sounds like Doctor Strange in this movie. Doctor Strange, he... also an asshole. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Well, I mean, all of his characters. What have we talking about? All of his characters are assholes. To Sherlock be fair, I don't know. Asshole. Did he play? I know he was in that the, movie about the uh, gay uh, mathematician guy. Imitation of life. Is that guy an um, um, American or no. is, was he? Oh, he's he was British. British. Okay. No, oh yeah. Because yeah. I didn't see that movie. I didn't know if he did an American accent in that. No. Imitation but, um, game. Imitation oh. game. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah. What was imitation? Oh, who's of life? who's forgetting titles now? Well, I'm not the one who <laughs> yelled at you, but definitely me. Uh, <laughs> But that's a movie. Imitation of Life is a movie. Okay. Imitation of Life. Sure it is. Why not? It's gotta be. <laughs> it's probably some obscure Korean film or something. Um, and Keith Carradine's in this movie, which I was really pleased oh, when nice. he showed up, but then he's only in one scene, so it's kind of a bummer. But Sounds like everyone in this movie is in one scene. Yeah. I mean, pretty. it's like Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, and Cody Smith-McPhee are like the three sort of central characters. Everybody else is sort of just in the periphery mm, for mm. a scene or two. Like so Francis Douglas... Conroy is also in this movie. Yeah. It's a Douglas Sirk movie from oh, the 50s. Sirk mm. movie. Yawn. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so Power of the Dog, you know, you got to watch it. It's a 2021 release. It's an Oscar you contender. Do, you do got to watch it. I mean, is, was that your first Jane Campion? You've seen The Piano. This is my second Jane Campion. After, no, my well, third if you count to each his own cinema, which she did a, a short for. But I also saw In the Cut, mm. the Meg Ryan Oh yeah, thriller, but and not I, the piano. No, I'm. I guess I'm gonna wait. I think I just sold the piano yesterday. My Blu-ray of it. <laughs> so I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, wait for the Criterion. Maybe, maybe just blind buy it blind. I like her direction it. a lot. You're gonna buy it I blind mean, again. You've bought it blind before. Yeah, I know. You didn't watch it. <laughs> I know, right? I like. Uh, I like everybody involved with it, and I really like uh, Campion's direction in dog and uh yeah i think i think i'll like it to be honest mm. i just haven't gotten around to it 
It's only two hours. I mean, it's nothing that big of a commitment, really. Mm. JR didn't like it that much. Three and a half. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, that's. Yeah, I don't know. I that's one I want to revisit because I think when I watched it, I just like didn't get it. I also and, been I, and I've liked to, a lot of her movies a lot more than that since. I've also been meaning to watch Holy Smoke for a long time. I love Harvey. Holy Kaito. Smoke is fucking weird. Yeah, I'm I'm into it. I want to check it out. I did watch the first episode of Top of the Lake also a while ago and enjoyed it. Just never got back around to uh, finishing it up. I did. That's that's yeah. I watched the first season of that and mostly liked it. I like uh, with whatever the guy's name is and who's in that the older Irish guy. Ben Mendelsohn. No, um, Ben Mendelsohn's not in that. <laughs> I think he is actually. He is what? I believe he is, mm. but it's, that's yeah. not who I'm talking about. I do like Ben Mendelsohn, mm. but that's not who I'm talking about. Uh, I'm talking about Peter Mullen. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. You're right. Ben Mendelsohn is not in this. Peter Mullen, though. I like him a yeah. lot. So. I liked him in uh, in Braveheart. I always think of his line in Braveheart. No! We will run! And we will live! <laughs> it's just classic. Pete Mullen. Yeah. Anyway. That's uh, that's uh, that movie. So. Mm. Moving along. JR? I'm going to hit the... Uh the documentaries, I'm not going to say a ton about it, but uh, John basically, sorry, John flew to Denver, came to my house, turned on my TV, turned on Disney Plus, and forced me <laughs> to watch Get Back. Uh, if you remember last episode, I very much did not want to do that. Um, but How did it turn out for you, though? Huh? Huh? I'm, get, I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then get I turned it on, quick, and then I became the first person on the internet to actually finish it. Oh, <laughs> since every everyone's deal was reviewing it midway through, I actually That's watched true. to the end, mm. and John was right. John yeah, yeah. was right about a lot of things. Yeah, it was. I still don't care about the Beatles, and it didn't matter, because the process stuff was really cool, and the kind of, like, in, like it, in the first episode, I was, like, just constantly confused, wait what are they doing it's a live recorded album it's a movie it's a tv like what the fuck is happening and then just like you realize like they don't know what they're doing (laughs) like and they're trying to figure it out and yeah all that stuff is really cool and you know like by the end of it it's like we're we're seven and a half hours in and you're gonna how many times you gonna do get back on the roof like you're gonna do the full song like three times in a row like that's I was like, let's. I I don't need every take of Get Back. <laughs> like we need to we need to get out of here. Um, but you know other stuff about uh, the Roof concert were, were fun. Like the way that they, or at least it's edited to show like they're they're just avoiding that cop who uh, shows up. They're just like, oh yeah, I don't I don't know where like the person in charge is. I'll go find him, and like they just leave him <laughs> standing in like the the foyer of this house. Um, that's all really fun. This is a. I'm not one of those psychos who's like released the 16 hour cut. I don't think I could do this again, but uh, but yeah, it was really cool, and um, just being on Disney Plus is what led me to uh, the next doc I watched, uh, The Rescue, 
which I did not realize was on Disney Plus. Maybe it was recently there. I don't know. Uh, it's from the directors that did uh, Free Solo, and it's about uh, the rescue of the like young, like preteen Thai football team mm. uh, that found itself stuck in a flooded cave system uh, in Thailand, obviously. Mm. And uh, like the doc itself is, I'll call it like pretty like normal by the numbers. You know, it's. A lot of talking head uh, interviews with people who were involved in the rescue. A bunch of uh, uh, Thai military, like Navy SEAL people, plus a bunch of Australians and Europeans who were just like master cave divers who volunteered to help or were recruited to uh, to come help. And yeah, so we got those interviews. There's a bunch of footage that was actually recorded during the rescues like when they like finally found uh, the boys mm. um, in the caves and uh, just some like conversations that were being recorded and then there's a bunch of like recreated uh, footage they you know these are the people that did free solo with all the climbing shit so of course they're like we don't have footage of the diving so we're going to film footage of diving in like real cave systems uh and that stuff looks really cool, and honestly, like, the, the story is cool. This was, like, this was so on the news. I remember this very much being on the news, and I remember it, it happened while I was, like, on, like, a family reunion vacation with an uncle that, like, never turns off the news. So, like, I very much was, like, way more uh, dialed in to this news story than most other things that happened. But, um... A lot of like the like the minutia of diving and like the stuff that made like the stuff they did to dive with the kids and get them out a lot of that stuff was really interesting and I did not know about but yeah I mean this is it's compelling mm. it's good it's not amazing it then again it's this is like one of those four mass it's it's like a four mass audiences uh documentary that makes people happy. This might be one I'm going to have to skip, actually, because I just have too much other stuff to get to. I'm not... Yeah. Yeah. I'm not giving it a hard recommendation here. Well, I mean, I, I would normally... It, I mean, It would not I, be on your top ten. No. I'm trying to watch a, as much shit from this year as I can, but it's like, you know, it's just... I've got... There's a ton of... Shit. I've got, like, 15 things I've got to watch right now, not including going to the theater next week, so... Mm. It's out of control. Like, this year it's, is really full. When I think about all the things that I have to watch, it kind of cripples me. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I'm like, when am I going to watch Power of the Dog? I don't... <laughs> like, I've been waiting for that movie. I really want to see that movie, and I'm also like, when do I have time to watch that movie? Right. It's... Yeah, I mean... Uh, I'll find like, time. And the Beatles thing, for instance, I've... I've got the last episode of the Beatles thing to watch still. Mm. Oh, it's sorry. like two and a half. No, it's all. I mean, I've read about it. It doesn't matter. Spoiled what happened? It's like they play two a concert and a half. on the roof. Well, I know that. <laughs> it's like two and a half hours, though. You yeah. know, it's like, and I've essentially just given up on my Criterion challenge because there's just no way to finish it at this point if I'm going to watch these 2021 releases. Mm. So I'll have to finish it in January. You know, it's, <laughs> it's like it's not going to work. I've had. I've had like seven of those left for two months. And at first I was like, well, I'm going to wait for them to catch up. And now there's, <laughs> no, no, now there's no two, a now. week and a half left. Yeah. Uh, 
so I don't know. I'll. I mean, I've got like multiple three-hour watches on that. Yeah. So yeah, you're, it's, you're not, it's not going to happen. You're yeah. fucked. Uh, I did see the letterbox user that originally made a 2021 list yeah. has made a 2022 challenge. Ooh. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if we should do it. <laughs> Obviously, we like the fact that we're going to have failed the first one makes me think we should do it again try this yeah. again let's let's run it back yeah i mean you know we're not quitters we don't give up he, he, we, we quit on this challenge but we don't always quit we no we, i don't think we quit anyway we just failed i i think that overall it's been extremely positive for me because mm-hmm. i saw 40 plus criterion movies this year which it is like that's not normal i wouldn't I, I don't think i watched 40 criterion movies last year you know yeah so it, it did force me to watch a ton of... And the movies that I would not have watched. Yeah. Like, I would never have seen Antonio G- Grimaldi or whatever it was called. <laughs> Godi. Antonio Godi. I would never have okay. seen that doc. Mm. I don't think. I don't think I've ever watched that. I don't... I would never have watched, like, you know, the... Uh, the Whatever that one, the, the Heroes of Black Cinema one, the uh, the early uh, Hell Train or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, these are things that I just probably would never have gotten around right, to. Right, yeah. And the list well, really forced me to watch them, so that's good. You guys, you guys should look at the lists. Um, Where the, is it? it? There's. <laughs> Can you text it to us? I'll send you the list. Thank you. Yeah, I'll yeah, send you the list. Nice. Uh, and yeah, uh, like there is some categories that I'm just like that's dumb. Like uh, there's more. There are more categories based on like people stuff, uh, like not a director, but. You know, like we we had a bunch of like uh, watch one of Martin Scorsese's ten favorites, yeah. or, or and they have a bunch of like watch this person like Roseanne Barr's closet picks. <laughs> oh, oh one of his closet picks. Yeah, so they like yeah. incorporating the closet picks in, and mm. like I, I wish that they had found more unique. Like I wish one of the categories was like watch one of the Once Upon a Time in China movies, like from the box set, like more of those mm. that actually force me to watch something I haven't watched but anyway I'll uh I'll send you guys we'll see yeah. you guys listen you get we can see if decide if it's worth it okay cool it's really cool yeah Kevin I just wanted to say real quick I like the only energy that I'm expending on film at this point is like I'm just waiting for Macbeth I'm gonna see that in the theater but uh other than that it's like whatever like now, how much energy are you expending by just waiting for it? Like, are you saying that's the only movie that you're going to watch? That's the only one that I'm, like... Looking forward to. Well, oh, I mean, okay. looking forward to, but also, like, you know, like... I was like... Yeah, I... There, there's swearing there's off no movies way, well, there's until... there's no way for me to power through the Criterion Challenge. There's no way for me to oh, try yeah, to yeah. catch up on 2021 releases. I, I just don't have the time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like... Like I'm se- I'm setting aside a little bit of time for Macbeth, but that's that's the most I can manage. Uh, also, um, there's a children's book called Titan and the Wild Boars that tells the story of the Thai football team that got lost in the caves and trapped. And you know it's you know like a five minute read, and it's really detailed. Really does a lot to explain. Everything so, so read that instead of watching the rescue. Exactly. Yeah, got it. I mean, yeah, if you want to like go on YouTube cool, and like watch like the actual footage, but you know, just random actors or random cave divers doing cave dives, 
I don't know that you need that in your life. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you do. I don't. Caves really stress me out. I I think that's like a... I'm not like generally claustrophobic, but my cousin and brother like went up to Idaho and like went into like a cave system where like there's no danger of flooding and you know like there are a couple parts where you have to crawl but there's nothing like where you're like super tight but just the idea of like having to crawl and like a space getting smaller like no i do not care for do i don't care for that i will not be a spelunker ever you like yeah it freaks me out i watched a video on youtube it just popped up in my feed the other day and it was like anxiety inducing footage of cave diving and it was like this guy and he was crawling through this space that was just so narrow i was like how do you even know where you're going you like yeah. you're just crawling into a space that's getting narrower and narrower and narrower what, like, like what if the thing just ends and you're just like crawling yeah. like backwards yeah like what if you're just or what if you get stuck hard. yeah what if you get stuck then what, what do you do die. cave collapse we'll yeah there. that too uh, in, uh, everything about it is horrifying yeah. in the rescue <laughs> they they asked one of the divers like how many bodies have you pulled out of caves? And he's like, thinks about it. He's like, I think nine. I was oh. like, oh my god, uh, I think Jesus, fuck! I don't bats. like caves. And maybe that like stems, you know, just like from being a big boy. You know, like I can't. You know, the holes that some people are going through. Like I can't, I can't get through that. Mm. Yeah, I've thought about that too. Like if I was really t- small, like maybe it'd be like you know you would have less anxiety about it. Yeah. But I don't know. No, I mean, small people still get stuck and die. That's, yeah. yeah. It's rigid rock. <laughs> anyway. There's there's no give. That's right. Oh, I think... Kevin, what's your... Oh, yeah, it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> so, I actually did watch a couple of things from my Criterion Challenge. <laughs> nice. Oh, wow. Went on a whole monologue. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now I have to negate it. Um... <clears throat> So I ended up, I finally got around to rewatching Rosemary's Baby, which is like, it's fine. Like, I don't, watching it, it's Two like. Two star Ted, here he goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, I guess. No, I mean, it's good. Like, it's, it's basically just, a, you know, it's the book. Like, it's, it's, um, extre- it's extremely faithful. And, like. I like John Cassavetes in it a lot. Like he's great as guy, so and um, um, Mia Farrow is great as uh, as Rosemary. Uh, Ruth Gordon is probably the best casting as uh, Minnie. But um, but yeah, it's like I you know I read the book again because I was like I need to read that again because I'm a you know I eleven fan. It's been like I don't know, fifteen years since I read the book. And I need to watch the movie again, so it's like, yeah, I mean, it's basically just watching the book, so it was, it was, yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you, sorry, did you, like, read a book, or did you listen to the Mia Farrow audiobook? I just read the book. Okay. So, so far, I have not had good success with uh, audiobooks, like, I just... Like, ever? Not, not so far, I mean... Like yeah. I, I would like to, I would like to get like you know my hands on some of the like anthology ones like, like the one like World War Z, that you were telling me about has like a full cast, like that would be mm-hmm. interesting to listen to, but like just one person reading a book for like sixteen hours, it's, it's just not for me. 
Well, you should get. Uh, I I would recommend mm-hmm. the only the best audiobook I've ever heard was uh, a Scanner Darkly, and only because and I and I don't think the book was amazing, but the audiobook was great because Paul Giamatti did it, and he like changes his voice, and it's a lot of fun. Oh, like cool. his different voices that he does, and he he did a really good job. Cool. A lot, yeah. A lot of the, like the, you know, we'll call them like celebrity narrators, mm. like the, the movie actors that do these things are they're often quite good. Like Tim Robbins' version of uh, Fahrenheit 451 is insane. Uh, Mia Farrow was pretty good in Rosemary's Baby, and that book is, I mean, I, I only listened to it, I, but it was short. It was like six hours. Yeah, I know. Um, Maybe she just reads really fast. Well, that's that's one of the things about uh, that's one of the great things about Ira Levin's books. Like they're all like super short, super tight, but they manage to get a lot done in the little time that they're there. Yeah, because I'm like Rosemary's Baby is short. Stepford Wives is even shorter. Um, I think I want to say the longest book I've read by him is This Perfect Day, but. Even that was relatively short. So, yeah, I mean, Ira Levin is entirely worth, like, you know, three hours of your time, because that's how long it'll take. (laughs) You know. You sit down and read these books in one sitting? No. Uh, Just, I, typically I will read, like, as I'm going to bed, or I will read at the desk when there's nothing going on. Which is most, sure. which oh, yeah. is most of got, the time. I, I got a shitload of reading done when I was at the library. Absolutely. Tons. All right, cool. Um, oh, I also well, watched, I watched uh, The uh, Lodger. Oh, sorry, go ahead. The Hitchcock movie, which was good. That's early, right? Is that silent? Yeah, that was my silent entry. Nice. Nice. Sweet. I've never seen any... Uh, early Hitchcock. Well, I mean, I've barely seen any Hitchcock, mm-hmm. so it kind of goes without saying, I guess. Um, <clears throat> I <laughs> I watched Benedetta, as I think JR did as well, right? I did, mm-hmm. yeah. The new Paul Verhoeven uh, film. And, uh, yeah, I liked it. <laughs> it's about a um, nun in the 17th century... France? Italy. Italy? Italy, but it's in French. speaking French, yeah. Right. It's a French film, but it's in Italy. And uh, she is a a real person, or based on a real person, who... I don't know if they they prove that she was a lesbian lover of another woman, but... And it's... I read her Wikipedia page, and it seems pretty, like, set in stone. She was gay with another lady. And, uh... She believed she had visions and sh- the stigmata and all sorts of other things like this. And, uh, of course, Verhoeven's retelling of this story is just sort of classic Verhoeven. You know, lots of sexual intrigue and uh, blasphemy and even a scene of tremendous violence, which I really enjoyed. Actually, two scenes of tremendous violence, which I really enjoyed. And... um yeah, overall, I'd say it was uh, it worked for me. I had issues with aspects of the film, like the way that it looks, for instance, 
little uh little cheapo digital for my taste i wish he'd you know i don't know i obviously he can't shoot on film anymore like verhoven's not working with the kind of budgets that hollywood was giving him in the 80s but i remember like l looked like shit too like and i liked l but it just didn't look very good and this movie sort of has that same sort of look but i thought the acting was pretty great um especially the lead virginie Ephira. Yeah, Afira, and uh, Charlotte Rampling was great in it, and I really like the priest guy. I forget his name. Is it Lambert Wilson? I think it's Lambert Wilson. Um, the, uh, it's yeah, Lambert Wilson plays the uh, what is he like a cardinal or something? He's also the Merovingian in the Matrix mm. movies. Yeah, um, he's uh, he's great in it, and I like the way that his story sort of resolves at the end <laughs> what happens to his character and uh yeah i thought it worked overall it wasn't great but you know definitely worth a poke jr i think liked it a little bit more than i did yeah i mean i think i think all of the the elements you just mentioned i i was i was into enough that i i forgave that look that you you're talking about mm-hmm. that i i definitely agree with and you know, huge fan of Afira in this movie. And I just, you know, this is another movie like that just was really playing to my taste. You know, I love hypocrisies and power dynamics in a medieval church. Because fuck, fuck the church. I was, I was yeah. really into it. And also, like, the plague? Love the plague. Bring on the plague. That was a little weird, though, wasn't it? Because, like, I, you know... I had heard, well, I, I listened to reviews on other podcasts about this film, and they had mentioned the plague, and I and, and then I watching the film and I realized it's in the 1600s and I'm like, isn't the plague like sort of over in the 1600s? It happened in the Middle Ages, no? Wasn't it like in the 11 and 1200s? I think it depends on which plague you're talking about, because like I thought I assumed it was the Black Plague. I mean, it looked like there were boils and you know. Bleeding from the anus and shit. I don't know. It's just like it's a lot of like you know. It seemed like the Black Plague. Yeah, it seemed like bubonic. But um, I mean, I, I could be wrong about the dates. I'm not a history guy. You know, I don't know. Just there, there were very there were several different waves of plague. Okay. I mean, obviously, this is based in some sort of a. I mean, it's based on a, a true story. It's obviously not in a reality. This movie. This movie is sort of all over the place, more fantastical, but I, although I guess you could read it as it's all from Benedetta's perspective and therefore mm. you're not trusting it as reality. Cause like she obviously she's like the things that she sees, like she has visions of Christ and the devil and they appear to be, some of them appear to be happening in real time and then there's this question of like she has the stigmata at one point but then one of the other characters finds a bit of broken pottery and they're like did she give herself the stigmata and it's like this question of whether or not she's faking it and she's sort of ambiguous about whether or not she's faking it uh so sorry no, I, I was just i was just googling plague stuff uh <laughs> This is like the second outbreak of oh, okay. bubonic plague, you know, where the f- in Italy the first being the Black Death in the 1300s. 
1300s. And this being, you know, the second outbreak in the uh, 1600s. Cool. All right. Rocking. Love it. That plague just would not go away, guys. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> well, at least it took 300 years between variants. Not like us, where it's yeah. like four months. <laughs> Way to connect it to uh, the modern yeah. day, Kev. Conspiracy. Variants can't happen that quick. I also thought it was, uh, int- like, Charlotte Rampling's in this, and she's got, like, a really substantial role. And I remember watching Dune and thinking, like, man, Charlotte Rampling is old as fuck. Like, the, it must be why she has, like, three lines in that movie, you know? Like, she's got, like, the the, the one scene, essentially, you know? Like, she's got a scene with mm-hmm. Paul, the scene outside with Rebecca um, Ferguson, and then I need a little scene with Harkonnen. And I was like, that must be because she's, like, 90 years old, you know? But then she's in Benedetta, and she's, like... She's got a lot to do in Benedetta, like a lot of scenes, mm. a lot of some moving around, you know. And she's really not that old; like she's born in forty six. Only 70, 75. Yeah. Right. I th- I just I don't know. I I really thought she was like way older, but she did a she did a really good job yeah. in, in Benedetta. I think it's just because like this she's is... been around, like she's been doing things for so long, like you yeah. know, like yeah. um, you know, like how how many other people can you name? that are, like, her age and are, like, still, like, doing as many things as she's doing. Robert De Niro. Yeah, you're right. I mean, she's in a... She's in a movie that came out this week called Last Words. Uh, This is a busy, busy year for Charlotte Rampart. Another movie. (laughs) What? (laughs) Last Words? What is this? Oh, it doesn't... It doesn't look like something you need to prioritize. It's not (laughs) getting well-reviewed. Okay, I just uh, can't do it, man. I can't do anymore. Right. Stop coming out with more movies. It's brutal. Anyway, you don't have to watch all of them. I, I, I'm basically, I, sorry. I'm saying that to myself. I'm no, I'm myself. not watching all of them too, because like, I mean, I've you know automatically like I'm not going to watch Spider Man, which is fine. I don't have any feeling about that whatsoever. And uh, they're like Shang Chi. Like I won't see any of the Marvel films, obviously. I'm not going to see, like, there are romantic comedies that have come out this year that I could give a shit about. Like, I'm not going to watch, you mm-hmm. know? But it's something. It's just like, you know, something comes out and it gets well-reviewed and it seems like it's worth your time, then I feel like I need to see it. Anyway. So, yeah, Benedetta. Solid. Worth a watch, definitely. Cool. I might go up on a rewatch at some point. I think I gave L the same rating. I liked L. I like I liked his movies. They're just, I don't know. They're not what he used to be doing. I like I like I do like his sort of devil may care, um, trollish sort of like the, you know he's making movies that are meant sort of meant to offend I think and uh, that's enjoyable. That was one of the things I was wondering about. So. Like I saw like things calling Benedetta transgressive, and I was like, uh. Yeah, I'd say it is. <laughs> I mean, it's transgressive. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's like uh, annoyingly so, okay. though. It's not transgressive in a way like, you it's, know. It's not uh, Angel's it's Melancholy not... where it's just, oh, fuck this. No, you're right. No, God. No. no. It's way smarter than that. Like, it's Good. way more. There's way more precision in a movie like Benedetta. Well, it, yeah. And, like. Yeah. I, no, I'm sorry I, to bring it up, but it trans- was just, you know. <laughs> I, I feel like this would have been, like, transgressive in the 1970s when the Catholic League of Decency was still oh, a yeah. thing and like actively protesting films. Right. Yeah. Like, like, I, like I really like this movie, but I, like I it would be a perfect double feature with the devils. Right. Yeah. 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 Probably would. A movie I 
also love. Yeah. The Devils is better than this, but yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember, like, that just, was the first you know. time, like, since I had met JR, like, I mean, he had obviously. He gave a five. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, yeah. like, out of nowhere. It's like, yeah, this is five five stars. Like, what? It's the last, last five I ever gave. I think I feel I like I also. Not to, not to well, belabor oh, no, this. Didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. He four and a half stars. Right. That was his favorite movie um, of the year. That's a great it movie. Is. I think uh, that Daphne Patakia, the lady who played Bartolomea in the film, also like the lover of Benedetta, she she sort of rubbed me the wrong way at some points. Like she was really obnoxious, mm. I, on purpose, she's, I think. But uh, yeah, she it, had those crazy eyes. Yeah, I mean, she's yeah, she's a weird looking lady. She's uh, I don't know, but overall, I'd say it's a it's a win. I'm looking forward to Verhoeven making even more crazy uh blasphemous works in the future assuming he keeps working he's like 80 <laughs> he's over 84 83 sorry anyway um yeah jr or was that <laughs> i forget whose turn oh, i got I mean, technically my i got i got one more before uh any red desert talk happens uh, and this this will be brief because it wasn't good. I watched uh, Bruno Dumont's latest movie, uh, France, mm. um, which is a 2021 release, and it is um, about a celebrity journalist played by Lea Seydoux, who uh. is named France, uh, and of course she stands in for the the country, the entity of France. Um, and you know she's just being famous, living her best life until she gets into what seems like a pretty minor car wreck that ends up drastically altering her life and um yeah yeah, whatever it's it's definitely like a dark satire about fame and every once in a while it's like it seemed like it was maybe being like a dark comedy about fame but that was weird like there's there are these moments i genuinely don't know how bruno dumont was trying to play them and part of that is having seen a bunch of his recent movies where he is like doing pretty broad comedy. And then also having seen a lot of his earlier movies where he has, like it appears he has no sense of humor at all. Uh, I think he was maybe trying to marry those two things and it just didn't work tonally. Um, But I mean, Lea Sidhu is why people will watch this movie. It's why people currently uh, care about this movie. Her performance is good. I mean, she's good. She is in almost every scene. She gets to do a lot. And, uh, you know, just wish it was in service of something a little bit better. Hmm. That's uh, too bad. I've heard a lot of good things about her specifically in this. Well, then you should watch it. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) How long is it? Uh, I think it's just over two hours. I do like her a lot. It's two hours and thirteen minutes. Mm. I'll send it. I'll send it over to you. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, mm. man, but I definitely like her. I don't think I've seen any of Dumont stuff. I have not. Just I've a been, weird, weird fucking mm. dude. Been meaning to see these Joan of Arc movies that he made. Yeah, like, it's a uh, one of the few I haven't seen is the second Joan of Arc movie. Um. But, you know, his his older stuff, like, he's got a couple movies on the Criterion Collection that I 
I don't think it was best, but his like Juliet Binoche movie, Camille Claudel, nineteen fifteen. It's really good. Yeah. Which of these movies is on Criterion? Claudel's uh, or No La Vie de Jesus and uh That's on Criterion? Humanity. Never yeah. heard of these movies. Mm. La Vie de Jesus looks interesting. It is. It's on Criterion Channel. Cool. Oh, so it's is on Criterion, bitch. I know. So you say. I've never. Se- I just never seen like. I don't. Can't imagine what the Criterion cover is in my head right mm. now. So. But anyway, all right. Uh, J. Uh, not Jr. Kevin. Kevin. It's Kevin's yeah. turn. So, uh, speaking of Shang Chi, I watched Shang Chi. And uh, I knew going into it that it was not going to be great. Um, I a big, big, the biggest part of the problem of the of this movie for me was the fact that um, like there is a sense of humor in this movie that is just not mine. Like there are at least four or five instances where Shang Chi just repeats a line that someone else said and it's supposed to be done in a humorous way but it's not especially when you do it four or five times and like Tony Lung is great in it and there are a couple of scenes where like there's an obvious like blatant ripoff of Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon and there's another like blatant ripoff of like an like early Wong Kar Wai movies like um uh, like either as tears go by or days of being wild like um scene scene in a restaurant where Tony Lung kills a guy in front of Shang-Chi but other than that like it's it's pretty much just by the by the by the numbers Marvel movie that like um obvious obviously you know like with with an all Asian cast like they def like they definitely go like even though they reference like Crouching Tiger and Wong Kar Wai, they're s- they're sitting hard in the uh, Crazy Rich Asians universe. Um, hmm. And yeah, like it's it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but like it's just not that good. So three and a half and. Um, I since I can't think of any other Marvel movie that I want to see in the future because, like I've said before, I'm just burned out on Marvel and just kind of superhero stuff in general. Um, I even Spider Man. I I haven't seen like I never I never saw the Garfield Spider Man movies. I didn't oh, really? I didn't oh, see okay. the first two oh, Tom Holland Spider Mans. So like I have no like emotional investment going into whatever the, whatever home they're on on this one, um, <laughs> but yeah, no way home. See, no direction home, like a complete unknown. Um, like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. So three and a half for Shang Chi, and you know, all right. I uh, I watched Zola. And liked it quite a bit, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a, just a nice little inconsequential story about a 
waitress who strips on the side and decides to go on a road trip to Florida to strip and gets sort of uh, blackmailed into escort services. And uh, I just thought all the all the performances were so good in this, with the exception of Nicholas Braun, who's maybe a little, you know, overdoing it a little bit. <clears throat> but everybody else I thought was really spot on, especially the lead, Taylor Page, and Riley Keough, who plays the girl who sort of manipulates her into the situation. And I loved the direction. I loved the sound design. All of the... This movie's based on a, a Twitter thread. I think JR talked about this on the last episode a little bit. But um, it's based on a, like a Twitter thread. It's like a hundred and some odd tweets of uh, this story. And then there was like a article written about it in some newspaper. And uh, it's it uses those tweets and the sort of... I don't think it uses the tweet sound ever, but it uses like text messaging sounds and stuff, and which sounds like it could be really grating and annoying, but I don't know. It really works for this. It's pushing the narrative along. I mean, it, and I thought it was designed to be annoying. Really? See, I, I didn't like, find it annoying. I, mean, it, but I, you know, I didn't find it annoying, but it's just like it, it is It is aggressive within the movie. Oh, it's aggressive, like yeah. I don't mind that though. I liked it, and I thought it really worked with uh, Michael Michael Levy's score. I thought Michael Levy's score was great, very minimal and uh, light. I don't know. I just really dug it. I really dug it, and uh, it was it was almost a four and a half. I'm not gonna lie. It was getting up there. The uh, I enjoyed it. So uh, yeah, I liked Sola. And then real quick, just before you guys get into. Uh, Red Desert. I also watched The Last Sun, which is Tim Sutton's latest film, which it turns out, and this is a nightmare, Tim Sutton has directed two films that were released this year, so now I have to go back and watch Funny Face, which was released back in March, but luckily it's on Prime. Um, but anyways, The Last Sun is a uh, western starring Sam Worthington and Colson Baker, who you might know as Machine Gun, Gun Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> He's just really trying hard to become an actor, eh? Uh, he, uh, yeah, and it's about this uh, guy, Isaac LeMay, played by Worthington, who's like an outlaw, who's, at the beginning, there's a, a brief narration by his daughter about how he's been fucking horrors his whole life and has sired many children. And then he gets a uh, curse put upon him by a Native American. And the Native American tells him, one of your children is going to kill you. So he has to go kill all of his children before they can kill him. <laughs> so he's on a hunt to kill all of his uh, illegitimate kids. And the last one is Colson Baker, Machine Gun Kelly, who is himself an outlaw. And uh, this movie is sort of goofily self-important. And it wants to be like a spiritual western like dead man or something but it's lacking the Spirit. dead man has well <laughs> that's interesting dead man has a sense of humor to it hmm. you know like there's a sense of humor that runs through it and it's not broad at all it's just like it's just there it's like an undercurrent of humor Stupid fucking white and man. like uh yeah exactly like yeah. that kind of thing and this movie has none of that this movie is entirely serious and uh 
it unfortunately casts Heather Graham as Colson Baker's mother, and she could not be more terrible in this role. Uh, just awful. <clears throat> Sam Worthington is okay, but he whispers the entire movie. He's mm. sort of got the... Um, he's got like he, he sounds like he's been screaming, like he's gone hoarse. He's like... <laughs> I don't know what I don't know why he's made this choice. And Thomas Jane uh, is in this as a cavalry man scout who was raised by Apaches, and uh, <laughs> and so he talks like an Indian, like a, like he talks like a like a racist depiction of Indians in the fifties. Like, hello, I'm going over there now. You know, <laughs> like he's got like oh the in, like Native American accent. And it's really strange, and I mean. Yeah, it just doesn't work. Now, the thing that rescues this movie, if anything does, is that um, Tim Sutton knows that the landscapes are what's going to be his saving grace here, and he shoots the landscapes beautifully, <laughs> and it's got some really interesting uh, composition shots of like mountains and plains and stuff, and bonus points for shooting in actual snow at the end. Like He has an actual snowstorm that he shoots in. It's very like McCabe and Mrs. Miller, except, you know, about a tenth as good. And uh, some of the some of the blood work and things are nice, too. Mm. There's there's not a lot of CG in this. It's a lot of, like, practical effects, which I always appreciate. Um, But, yeah, it's definitely... This is not one I'm going to, like, you know... I would not tell you to go rush out and watch this. It's not that great. I think Tim Sutton is not a very good filmmaker, to be perfectly honest. Although, I do want to see Funny Face and Donnybrook, but I just haven't... You know, can, can you remind us why this is like a, a director you were watching things from if you don't like him? I'm watching things from him. I'm not okay. Well, it's not really him. I'm watching, I watched Dark Knight, this movie about the uh, James Holmes massacre Didn't at the theater. Yeah, it was terrible. But I watched it based on the trailer and I thought the trailer looked great. So mm. I was like, I watched this movie and then it was horrible, right? And then this movie came out. And I watched the trailer for this movie, and I was like, the trailer looks great. And then I saw it was Tim Sutton. I was like, oh, Tim Sutton, I don't know. <laughs> but then I was like, well, i got to watch it, you know? So I watched it, and it sucks too, but it's a little bit better than Dark Knight. So, you know, maybe I'll watch the next one, and they'll be that much better, you know? Like, And I've actually heard the the most positive things I've heard about were from Funny Face. Like, I've heard positive reviews about mm. this movie. Cool. So. It's on Prime. And my, my brother watched it, and he gave it a three and a half. His taste is dubious. Who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to watch Funny Face because it's technically a 2021 mm. release, so I have to. <laughs> when you were telling us the synopsis, I was like, somebody somebody read like uh, somebody read about Arthur and Mordred, and they were like, what if King Arthur uh, was yeah. just a man slut and he was in the West? That's a movie. That's actually, yeah, it is. It's. I think. I think he's actually aiming at more of like a Greek tragedy sort eh. of thing or something. But it's. It just none of it really lands at all. Like it doesn't. It doesn't explore the idea of like you know the sins of the father or anything like that. It's just sort of like an, a thriller more than it. It's just like him searching for this guy to kill mm. him, and it's just you know, and it's Colson Baker attempting to be a badass, like shooting people a lot, shooting and stabbing people eh. all over the place. And it's just, uh, and it ends predictably, uh, like once you see, there's a certain scene about 20 minutes into this that sort of telegraphs the way that's going to end and makes it kind of less interesting. But, and like I say, Heather Graham is really just the worst. I mean, she is, 
I mean, I, it's astonishing to me how bad she is in this movie. Obviously a paycheck. Um, yeah, so those that's uh, that's all for me. Yeah, want to talk uh, Red Desert, Jr. Let's yeah, let's talk Red Desert. Mm. <laughs> the entire time I'm watching this, like David Bowie has that song "Red Money," and I just could not get that out of my head. Red, 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 red desert. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna go run and get some water while you guys talk about this. Yeah, so uh, Red Desert was the um, letterbox the homework movie yeah. for Letterbox Roulette, yep. um, and it is a 1964 feature directed by Michelangelo. Michael, <laughs> well, Jesus, what? are you okay? I don't know, Michelangelo Antonioni. Mm. Uh, you know, sort of a big deal. Mm. You know, people like his movies and. Uh, it stars Monica Vitti as uh, basically uh, like a housewife, yeah. wife of a of an employee of this like industrial plant complex, and looks like middle of nowhere Italy. And mm. uh, as the letterbox uh, synopsis says, she's losing her grip on reality, and uh, and that's it. That is uh, the end of the the narrative. There, there you know, there's like a Richard Harris is there, and there's going to maybe be an affair, and mm. things get weird. But I feel like the uh, the way this is shot is like the star, sort of like the the star of the movie. Like it is beautiful. There's a very fascinating use of color. Mm. Um, like all, all like like it's, it's shot in color. It's his first color movie, but everything is so gray mm. uh, and and dead and. You know, it's like VD's like dresses will stand out and like there will be just like literal slabs of color painted on the wall. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have this like red container ship that like the side of it will take up the whole frame. Mm-hmm. It's uh, all that stuff was I thought was really cool. Um, and I thought the beginning of the movie that sort of introduces and lays out the setting and the color palette and the sound design mm. with the like sort of industrial stuff was awesome. And then I wanted to die i was bored out of my mind i hated everything that like went on with actual people in this movie i yeah how'd you feel i i I kind of agree like like it was so weird watching like i think i could be wrong i think that richard harris was like maybe speaking italian like i know everything is dubbed over in italian movies because they wanted to yeah from what I've read, they wanted to preserve like the sound quality of the recordings, but like it looked like it was kind of matching up a little bit here and there. But it's like I don't know. I'm just not into Richard Harris. Um, <laughs> and like you know, Monica Vitti is good, but like I don't know. Like the whole, I mean, it it did not need to be two hours, and like I feel like. Like as you're introduced to things in the beginning of the movie, it's like, oh yeah, there are, there are things going on, and like, I don't know, it's like you don't really get so far into those to like. I'm trying to think like, uh, Monty Python had like they had the uh the foreign uh film directors squad of Scotland Yard, and like they had one like the first one was uh. 
I'm imper- I'm arresting you for impersonating Senor Lucano Viscotti. And and so like Cleese John Cleese goes on to like, you know, give synopses of like a bunch of uh Visconti's movies and like, you know uh like the damned a got a damarung of uh political and industrial shenanigans in good old Nazi Germany. And they do one with Antonioni too, and like saying largely jettisoning jettisoning narrative in favor of vague incident and relentless character study. I'm super proud of myself for remembering all that. <laughs> and that is that is totally fair. Yes. Uh that is spot on. Yeah. <laughs> Often but oftentimes that is good. Like Antonioni's good movies are really good. And yeah. this one does not work for me, but like what he's doing is familiar to mm. me. You know, like 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 this is not wildly different than Laventura, but I do not think it works at all. And it, it just bones me out because again, the way everything is set up and the way it looks and the way it sounds is just like so in my wheelhouse. And like, I love like just using like modern industrial mm. uh, infrastructure as sort of like apocalyptic or like post-apocalyptic uh, life. Mm. And it, I, so I, there were like a bunch of, connections i made last night it was just watching pulse very late at night um like some of the the settings and the way that uh kyoshi kurosawa used grays and colors reminded me of red desert um but you know spoiler alert i chose the movie i like pulse a lot more than Mm. red desert uh in in the way that um david bruckner in um who directed the night house used uh shadows and like really dark spaces also reminded me of pulse but anyway uh or it was, it was weird last night i was like mm. all these movies i watched has something in common um anywho i i was really after the first 15 minutes hoping that like the three stars i gave this movie red desert uh was gonna go way up and i was wrong it went it went down from a three to a oh. two and a half. Uh, oh no! I just, ugh. I mean, it's gross. Yeah, I I gave it a That's three. Really uh, I'm not sure why, honestly. <laughs> just rethinking yeah. it. It's less than 24 hours. You can still change that rating. <laughs> you don't say. You don't say. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Um. What What would you guys like? I've seen like two Antonioni films this this year and there's the first antonioni films that i've seen what do you guys what's the other one you saw uh blow up what oh. do you guys consider like, I like good blow up. antonioni movies well obviously jr has seen a lot more than either of us but i i liked blow up and i like the passenger and i like la ventura but the blow up and the passenger are my two like the big ones for me mm. i haven't seen blow up in forever and i actually didn't love that when i did see it in college but i'm not I'm sure I'm wrong. I need to watch that again. Yeah, but I like you were the, a douche in college. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I like the uh, I like the passenger, and I, I like that that trilogy that he made in the early '60s of Laventura, Lenate, and Lacleese. Uh, I'm I'm into all all three of those. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think like I sorry. Those movies do the the no narrative 
uh, character study thing mm. with with you know like they're they're always all of his movies are longer than you want because like he's trying to give you a sense of of the mundane he's mm. trying to like make you feel like nothing is happening uh for stretches uh. and you know that's it is more successful in other movies yeah like i remember um what do i remember i'm forgetting now i was gonna say something (laughs) (laughs) i remember nothing yeah uh it'll come to you later it'll come to you in the middle of the pulse review (laughs) yeah you'll just be like i'm sick of oh it's a brisky point there's something about like i've Oh yeah, Zabriskie. like I wanted to see Zabriskie Point for like a million years because of you know Pink Floyd, but yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I've listened to the soundtrack and it's it's fine, um, but, but I've yeah. never even listened to the soundtrack. But, but yeah, like then like I just remember Jonathan just like like he yeah, shit all over it because I want to say he gave like blow up like four and a half, and he gave Zabris like yeah. he, like hated Zabriskie Point like it was the worst you know. Worst thing in the world. So, Grisky point is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so extreme. Uh. All right. Well, um, let's move on to uh, Jr.'s latest letterboxed roulette gaming that he's done. Uh, Pulse, where he's <laughs> obviously going to win letterboxed roulette oh. because. We all might, these act. Uh, this is the only movie I've ever seen with any of these actors. Oh yeah. So I didn't even look. I. <laughs> it's probably going to be the same for me. I. The only person yeah, I recognized no. was the the ship captain, who is a famous oh, really? Japanese actor, uh, but he's not in the top six. Mm. Um, yeah. That's... Koyuki is in Blood: The Last Vampire, the real life uh, adaptation of that mm. anime. But I've seen the anime, but I haven't seen this oh, one. Shit. And she's in the Last Samurai. Yeah, which I have seen. So. so. Anyway, uh, oh, you know what? This Blood: The Last Vampire is directed by Chris Nahan, who did Kiss of the Dragon, which I like quite mm-hmm. a bit. I have to tra- check this one out. <laughs> I think I'm gonna do it. I'm putting it in my watch list. It's done. Um, all right. Well, Pulse. let's talk about Pulse, which is from 2001, directed by Kiyoshi Kurosawa, and uh, Jr. Why this movie? Why now? Um. So yeah, Pulse is a it's a, a J horror movie, a, a techno horror movie, as many of those uh, <laughs> J horror movies are. Um, and. You know, it's very much about uh, early internet anxieties and what our connection to um, this virtual space will do to our, you know, real life human connections. And uh, we've got two two sport stories going on at the same time. Uh, one with these group of plant shop employees. Mm. Like botanists a, yeah they just like work on a rooftop and there are lots of plants around yeah. and that's all i could gather from that yeah um their co-worker has sort of disappeared he's working on uh what they keep calling a computer disc um doing something with that disc uh but he has not been to work in a week and finally the main character um michi one of the main characters michi goes to his apartment 
to figure out what is going on. Does he have the disc ready? The deadline's tomorrow. Um, where have you been? We're worried about you. And she walks through his apartment, which is just open. Oh no, she finds his spare key, sorry. Um, and is rifling through his stuff. And, you know, he just says he's whatever. Disc is over there. And uh, then he makes a noose and he hangs himself, uh, which kind of sets off um, what's going on over there. It creates some ghosts, and in the other story we have a, uh, you know, a, a university student, a college student of some kind, uh, Kawashima, um, who has a new internet, uh, has a new computer setup. He's bought a, a disk to set up the internet, and the disk will not work. But now his uh, internet is logging on by itself and showing him. Uh, very weird, what look like live feed images of creepy people in dark rooms. Um, some of whom have some pretty weird behavior. Some of whom are just like standing there or sitting there looking at you depressed. Uh, and he asks a um, grad student in the computer science wing of his school, like, what could be going on? And they kind of discover, uh, start dealing with this world of... Uh, Seemingly, souls, souls who like aren't exactly trapped in the internet, but uh, seem to be invading the real world. Mm. And um, these ghosts, these souls—it's all this is all like a bigger problem than just these two stories. It's clear that something is going on throughout all of Tokyo. We're getting uh, the news is just lists of people who are missing, and every like we're in Tokyo. There are no, there are like no fucking people, mm. uh, which. It might be one of my favorite things in this movie. Like, uh, even before we know something is wrong, Tokyo is empty and gray. Um, sorry, that's a longer synopsis than what I usually do, but uh, I feel like this movie is really weird and just kind of requires some setup at the jump because, like, past that setup, it gets even weirder. Like, these ghosts aren't... Uh, like, these ghosts are appearing over the internet and they are haunting you. They're not killing you. They seem to be taking away your will to live, mm. um, making you recognize how lonely you are, and then uh, you either kill yourself or you just like turn into a black stain on a wall and disappear. Um, not a happy movie, uh, but I chose this movie because it scares the shit out of me, and I... <laughs> As I'm watching it, like last night, I was I just regretted so much that I turned it on at eleven fifteen, right? <laughs> uh, and I don't I I have a really I didn't take many notes because I have a really hard time explaining mm. why this movie scares me like that. There's a pretty famous uh, ghost scene near the beginning um, that has like the ghost moving toward a character very slowly, doing this kind of like weird walk. Mm, uh, mm -hmm. dance thing and I I just I can't handle it that scares you I can't handle it. yeah it reminds me you know what that scene reminds me of and a lot of things actually uh, in this film sort of have this going on it's like the it's not an overall Lynchian thing but like the way Lynch approaches horror in some of his films like having just like uh, people act in an unusual way is mm. scary and like when you see, yeah. you have you have a preconceived notion of how a ghost is supposed to act or how a spirit is supposed to act in a film, and you watch this film, and here comes this 
woman doing like a like an interpretive dance <laughs> and it's like what is mm-hmm. happening why is this happening and then yeah i i, I mean I, I could see how it could work for you you know i don't know that it definitely it, it did not work for me it just wasn't scary i didn't find that yeah. that part scary well, personally and, but it was like but i could see why yeah. it would be i know it yeah i it's unsettling yeah it it is un, i don't i again i can't i yeah Based other than that, I can't kind of go deeper into like what specifically about that scares me, but it just yeah, it it worked on me. And uh, as the movie goes, you know, we get fewer like scary ghosts and more just like really like it's like what becomes scary is like the way that these ghosts affect people and just like take away their will to live. And like we don't see a ton of ghosts, but we see like a ton of like death and suicide mm. and. There are no jump scares in this movie. Like he's not scaring well, you with loud. Well, okay, there there are a few. Jump when he scares turns on the movie. lights and that and the guy is standing there, that's a jump scare. Yeah, it's just, but it's not like the. It's not like a quick cut. It's no, not it's not. Loud. No, it's not. It definitely didn't make me go like. Oh, but I definitely like. I got chills when it happened. I was like, yeah. oh, okay. Mm. Like in there, Relax. I guess it's just such like a. The the scares like come like feel natural because they're not. Uh, I mean, they're they're designed to be really scary, but like he's he's using uh, a style that is not often used for this like kind of kind of scare. Like this is not like the Grudge. It's not as loud as Ringu. It's mm. uh, not throwing so much shit at you as like one missed call. And I'm just thinking of other J horror movies. Um, mm-hmm. And like that first scene where Michi walks to the apartment and Taguchi, uh, like you're like there's something like weird in the mm. background, and then he just like stands up. Uh, behind that sort of like translucent curtain, I was like, God, this is fucking me up. Uh, anyway, um, all right, I, yeah. I I just talked for ten minutes. Uh, so I clearly have thoughts and feelings about this movie. Um, what'd you guys think? So I think this and Midsummer are the only movies that I've seen where like you actually see a character on a high thing that jump and you actually see them land when they commit suicide yeah um yeah yeah so like that was like like that was that was a moment where like you know my my eyes are kind of like you know in one thing and then they're like (laughs) and like it wasn't really even addressed i don't think like it's like michi's just walking around and then next thing you know like someone just jumps off of this um I don't know, uh, industrial vat, silo Plant. vat, or that whatever. thing, yeah. 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 Like, yeah. And, like, some people, like, come and see, like, they're, like, behind her, but, like, yeah. like, she, like, she's not there later on with the police, like, I don't know what happened. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, it was, uh, it, like, it really, it very much, rem- like, uh, Parts of it kind of reminded me also of like, um, uh, I don't know if you guys have read uh, any Murakami, but um, the one book that I read of his, uh, oh yeah, Hard Boiled Wonderland and the End of the World, like, it's you know very like, like in our world, like you know like, like you know someone like, hey, did you see that ghost over there? Ghost. And like, like apparently, like people just know about ghosts, 
it's like a kind of a similar thing in in that book where it's like like they accept the idea that ghosts well, exist just, without yeah questioning accepting it. something that's much more on like a supernatural you know right. scale and right. like things that would like you know like like would induce panic but like this other sure. grad student like in, who apparently yeah. like made an algorithm that could track ghosts as they're as they're coming in and out of um realms it's like yeah i've tried catching that ghost but you know it's 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 too far you know it just moves too fast like, <laughs> yeah the uh the kid the kid in the library yeah, yeah that, that was the dude kid ghost the dude in the library who just is like yeah, let's talk about this ghost yeah. even um even harue the uh you know the the grad student woman who uh kawashima befriends looking for help oh. you know when he tells her about ghosts the first time that he meets her She's like, oh, just like try to bookmark the site and like, or you know, print, like print the screen, do like a screenshot so we can like see it. Yeah. Like nothing, like yeah. Right. Totally ready to believe that that uh, something weird is, like this is going. Yeah, on. I mean, I don't know if it, I don't know how well it probably was a thing. I don't know how much of one back in the day, but like, like that's the kind of stuff that like, oh, this random dude who just showed up into the computer lab at this university is talking about some, like, genuine, like, dark web shit. Like, I should probably report him. <laughs> or, like, this... Uh, she's interested. She's too interested in it, right? Yeah, she has yeah. to uh, uh, pursue yeah, it. Like, I, I don't mean, know if the dark web that, was, like, really a thing back in, like, 2001, but, like, this is, like, hardcore, who like, knows? you know, dark web stuff. <laughs> That's the other, but that's the thing that sort of uh, was strange to me initially watching Kawashima uh, do his computer thing. Like, right? He likes he's sitting on his futon. He's putting his disc in. He's trying to log into the internet. He uh, is unable to log into the internet. He's clicking. It's doing the system thirty-two error, the classic Windows error, you know, <laughs> and. Um, then he goes to, the, and he's just like, oh, what's going on? And he's pressing stuff. He doesn't know what he's doing. And then uh, he goes to the, the the university the next day, and he's like, I don't know anything about computers. I don't like computers. Tell me what's going on. What am I supposed to do? And then she has to, like, give him step-by-step instructions on how to bookmark a yeah. page. And, and, like, what buttons to press and stuff. And she just keeps saying, click on it. And it's like, click on it? Like, click on what? Like, I wouldn't understand that, and I, I know how to use a computer. And then it's like, I think to myself, is it possible that a young person in Tokyo, Japan in tw- 2001 is this technologically inept? Like, I don't believe it for a second. Like, these people are ahead of the game on America, and in 2001, I had internet, <laughs> and I knew what, how to use a computer, and I was younger than this guy was. It's just, I don't know, that really, that honestly, it pulled me out of it for like a minute. Like, I was just like, this is ridiculous <laughs> that this guy doesn't know how to use a computer. I think he's like 22. I mean, yeah. I, I don't believe it. But I mean, there was a, small, a narrative. It's a small thing. There was a narrative need. They, sure. They needed him to struggle with the computer. Yeah. I, the, yeah. Some of those narrative needs are, are not very natural, but I think they wanted him to be technologically inept as a way to, um, for him to be like a, a a longer survivor, you know, it, it, it seemed like it was a little bit harder to get infected if you weren't, um, actively engaging. Although that's, that's a good point. I, mean, like Yabe, I thought it was just, Yabe, 
went into the room on his own without dealing with the technology. No, Yahweh did it's deal more with the technology. Just, but really, it's more just about getting him to Harue, right? It's like, yeah. they have to get these characters to together. This is a way to, to get them together. So, um, And I mean, obviously, I think the, the film... I like the movie. I don't love it. And the reason I don't love it is twofold. One is, I think the third act is like... It's like it becomes like left behind, <laughs> you know. It becomes like a like a rapture film almost. Obviously, without any yeah. kind of religious context, but like, which I don't care for, and uh, I don't like that twist. I don't like the visualizations of that twist, like the plane crashing and the other horrible CG that they're attempting to infuse into this. Where obviously they had no budget for CG, and um, because even in two thousand one, you could make things look better than this. And the second reason is that I feel like it's a really, uh, obviously the movie's about loneliness. Like it's the theme of the film is loneliness and isolation. And it, I would prefer if it didn't explain that its theme was loneliness so much. Like there are lots of scenes where like characters are talking about, you know, lo- uh, talking about being lonely, talking about why, like this is happening because we're lonely the ghosts are lonely. Like the movie is about lonely. It's like they might as well look at the camera and break the fourth yeah. wall. This film is about loneliness, <laughs> and you better and like that's the real scary thing I is have, being alone. <laughs> I have no. It's a little. It knocks you over the head mm, with it a little bit. I have no defense, like for what you're saying. Like you're you're right. You're objectively correct, and I like things that happen in the third act. But I I'm not going to defend that plane crash. I can't do that. <laughs> well, nor, yeah, nor am I asking you to. I mean, no, and, no. you can no, like, you can sweep it under the rug because you like other things about it more. Yeah, you know. I, and but yeah, I don't. Again, it's hard for me to say. Like, why? Why does such a blunt? Why does it work? I like subtlety. I like not having things spelled out for me. And yet, mm-hmm. when they talk about loneliness in this movie, I am not very bothered by it. I mean, I, I, the only time where I was like, it's a little too goofy, uh, was when Harue kind of like embraced, like the the silent, like non-entity, like that's mm-hmm. filming her. Oh yeah, saying, she like, like takes yeah yeah like like I won't be lonely anymore or something. Mm. Uh, it, like some of that, some of that this like the infection doesn't even make sense. Like the, the way that like loneliness is uh, is contagious. Uh, is, is like a really cool idea I, and I don't I, that's not what doesn't make sense what doesn't make sense is the idea that um, like they're seeing like these ghosts like in death are lonely right mm-hmm. like death is not an escape from loneliness and that like that makes it even like more mm. pushing no right? that's like, not that's a good idea like that's a good idea to but like see awesome, but you could have sure like, they and they, but they could have you could have uh, like you get that looking at the way these ghosts are behaving on the live feeds you understand you understand that right that loneliness doesn't end after death and that's scary but it's like they it's like they don't trust the audience to know that they're like we're gonna go ahead and have a a ghost explain that to one of the characters in the forbidden room you know and it's just like i mean i shouldn't need that Mm -hmm. exposition and it's it's not like it's not like a huge you know it's not like well this movie's a piece of shit because of that I i think a lot of the imagery works i agree with you that even though that that lady, uh, the moving the moving weirdly uh, scene didn't wasn't scary to me, I, I I found it like I can see how why it would be effective, and I appreciated it. 
as just being not mm. normal. Like, I like the idea that the ghosts in this movie aren't, like, traditional ghosts. And, uh, I mean, they are in the fact that they're, you know, terrifying to look at and things, but they're not moving the way that you would expect ghosts to move. I love the visual of the black stains on the walls and mm. on the floors of the places. I think that that's a really cool um, visual way to get across, like, you know, somebody died here and they, like, left a remnant of themselves and... Uh, and I, I will say that the movie started out as a six out of five with that opening shot. The opening shot of the back of that woman's head on the ship and the uh, anything shooting on a ship is a win because you get the horizon moving, but the sh- but this the camera's stable and the horizon's just move. You know what I mean? Beautiful. I love that. I don't know why it works well, completely. I I was hoping I would have you because. Like, watching this last night, I was like, I love, this is 2001. This is the same year as, as 15 Minutes, which was an accident. I don't think we've ever done that before. Uh, but this has a bunch of, you know, DV things added in. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I That's was like, true. maybe John will be into uh, to Harue being watched by this uh, shitty uh, computer camera that no one can see. Yeah, I didn't dislike that. I don't think it's as good as I don't like it in the same way. I guess I did. I honestly very, don't even didn't even. Like Fifteen minutes. Well, no, no, no. But I didn't draw. I didn't even draw a connection. Like as far as because I do that is something I like. Like I'm not that wasn't you know I I do like that, but um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because it was webcam. I don't know. It just it didn't didn't work in the same way. But I did like it's it. I didn't be, dislike it. Happy. I really, I like the idea that they're using, like. Like the webcams are appropriately shitty, you know, mm-hmm. for the time period, and that it obscures things even more, you know, so that they can obscure what you're looking at without, without having to do it for you know some conceit of the movie. They can just do it because it's a shitty webcam, so it makes sense that it's pixelated and you can, there's there's somebody sitting there, but you don't know who they are. It's just weird, you know, and that kind of thing. I think that all works as being creepy, and obviously the general consensus. On Letterbox, anyway, seems to be that this movie is, you know, horrifying and very, very scary, and uh, you know, so, and obviously, you know, it was for you. I don't, I don't know. I just, it, I feel like it just, I don't know. It, it wasn't, it didn't, didn't scare me. But maybe, maybe I just was too tired. I don't know. Kevin, were you scared by this movie? Not really scared, but like unsettled. Unsettled. Yeah. See, I don't. I don't know that I was even unsettled. I mean, there were scenes I mean, that were disturbing. Yeah. But. Like that. That's one of. The, that's one of the things that I like always wonder about. Like with horror movies, it's like, what was mm-hmm. I? What, like, was I ever like genuinely like scared? You know, like in the moment, like ah, you know, stuff like that. But like most of the things that I've seen, it, like it's been yeah. more of like, like a real like I don't f- like, I don't feel quite right watching it or it's like well yeah it's always like a when you're an adult i feel like it's like you get scared of a movie when you're yeah, a kid yeah. and then when you're an adult you're not really scared anymore you get disturbed right. by a movie right um so yeah, it's like, like this like like for instance when i saw hereditary hereditary disturbed mm. me right okay it didn't scare me like i didn't leave the theater and i was like oh my god like a demon's gonna possess me and <laughs> you know force me to you know kill kill myself or something it was just like it just disturbed me like seeing the images mm. understanding what it was it's like was was freaky you know yeah you know, and uh it's interesting so hereditary is one of the few movies made recently that i've seen where it's like 
I'm in a theater and like I'm getting like like itchy, like like with anxiety, mm. like mm-hmm. yeah. So scared was in the right word for it, but like I wanted to get sure. out of the theater. Yeah, like I wanted I wanted Hereditary to not be in my my life anymore as I was watching. Yeah, it. I felt the exact I felt the exact mm. same way. I was like, this is like it like it bothered me. <laughs> like even all the and I and I, and I and I loved it but it like I don't know I'm not anxious to watch it again mm. like it 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 really like was not a fun it wasn't enjoyable but it was like I appreciated it so much you know yeah, for what like, it was doing I'm I'm bummed that I didn't like because I I ended up seeing it in a theater with so many people like I definitely did not mm-hmm. get the benefit of the viewing experience that you guys got because, like, there were so many people in there, and they were all making noise. Lots of them were talking. Uh, and, you know, and, you know, a lot a lot of the it's typical, the worst, like, oh, you, oh, 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 don't go in there. Yeah, don't do like, it. <laughs> yeah, that's the fucking worst. Fucking assholes. That's lame. That's lame. Yeah. And people like, suck. And, like, that's um, why, like, that's why I went on a Monday night, you know, like, <laughs> like at 9 o'clock. Because, like... You know, like nobody's gonna go to a movie at on Monday night at nine o'clock. But then, I don't know. I chose the one horror movie that everybody showed up for, and it's like, like I still appreciated the movie. Like you know, I gave it like four and a half. But like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's just like fucking, like that's that's one of the reasons. Like, you know, not not to go too far on this because like I know I've like. I've been the anti-director for a long time on this podcast with this notion, but it's like, fuck, fucking theaters, man. Like, I can appreciate seeing a Mm -hmm. movie in a theater and the experience and whatever, whatever, but it's like, so many times it's just been a shit experience, and yeah, yeah, it's like, and so that's why, like... Like even though like theaters are back, like I'm not rushing out to see any more any more movies because like it's honestly it's just not worth it. Like I would so much rather be spending time with my kids and the movies that I that I watch. Mm-hmm. Like I can just watch them at home. I'll see Macbeth because yeah. that's Macbeth. I have a history with Macbeth, and it's Joel Cohen and Denzel Washington. You don't have to go see it though. I mean, it's coming out on Apple TV in January fourteenth. Oh, yeah. You just wait, wait a month, less yeah, than a month. I, I could do <laughs> if you really didn't. If you really didn't want to go to the theater, I, don't know. You know. I, I would like. But, I would uh, like to see it, might, it in might a be theater, worth it but I don't know. We'll screen. see what happens. I hope it's playing in Dolby. <laughs> I know it won't be. It'd be great mm. though. Anyways, back to Pulse. Um, you know, I, I like I say, it's just you know, it's uh, overall. I had too many issues for it to be like a like a hard sell or a hard uh, like a you know like a four or something mm. like that for me. But I did I didn't I didn't dislike it, and I do, I will say also like the actors who are involved, who all do a fairly mm. good job. I think it's a little difficult to judge acting in a different language, but I think all of them did a pretty solid job, and most of them seem to be like not big uh, mm. names. Like they're done very little. Yeah. It's strange like they've all they were all they've pretty much all done only japanese films and like i'm not seeing a lot of like high caliber stuff I mean, here you know like the person who plays michi seems to do a lot of animated voice mm. work stuff yeah um and like this guy the star of it the kawa 
Shima or whatever his name is, he like he's been in like it looks like a bunch of like trashy horror garbage <laughs> after this. Yeah. Which is I don't know. It's just I I I cause I, I guess I assumed Pulse was. I mean maybe Jr can illuminate this, but like I assume Pulse was like a well regarded sort of art house horror more than anything. But I mean, maybe is it is it considered trashy? I don't know. I don't know. I think we'd have to actually like talk to a Japanese person, because like <laughs> we over here would have a different view of it. Yeah, but I mean, as far as like the reviews at the time, or I mean, you know, I don't. So I don't know like how it was reviewed uh, locally, but um, but Kyoshi Kurosawa is not. He's not a horror director. He has often been a genre mm. director. Um, but he is a person who is, he's making like acclaimed movies or okay. at least was for, for a while. You know, his people are kind of back and forth on some of his more recent stuff, but, uh, yeah, I mean like, like cure and, uh, and charisma doppelganger. These are bright future. A lot of movies that are, are well regarded. Um, Tokyo Sonata is a, is a very good movie. I don't these uh yeah. He's like a critically acclaimed dude, not uh you know like one miss call was like a Takeshi Maike, you know, like schlock director who makes awesome stuff, but like he is like a goofy schlocky mm. dude. Mm-hmm. It looks like it's got it got pretty good reviews. It's seventy five percent on Rotten Tomatoes and a lot of the reviews are pretty positive, like mm. American reviews. So the last thing I wanted to bring up about this movie was uh, this movie is 20 years old this year. Mm-hmm. It was 20 years old, you know, earlier this year, whenever it came out. Um, and I'm like, where are all the think pieces about how this is like a pandemic movie? Mm. Like, oh, a lot of you know, a lot of parallels with the uh, the past couple years we've had. Just you know, like the it, it didn't like predict very accurately like the specific anxieties with the internet but the the sort of like uh isolation and debilitating loneliness thing i feel like is mm. uh super relevant oh okay well I, I yeah i agree with you and also the idea of it being anti-technology or anti-internet right like it's like it almost seems like it sort of paints the internet as or sort of like it's trying to say like uh we spend too if we spend too much time in a in a synthetic world of the internet, then we become even more lonely. We become because like at one point he says like people and ghosts are the same thing. It's like we become like ghosts. We're not interacting mm. with one another. We're just like drones or whatever. And I feel, you know, I feel like that was uh, also maybe heavy handed. But you know, that it, it's it's interesting that yeah, I don't feel, I don't hear this movie talked about a lot at all in the, in those regards. But it seems like a pretty easy mm. one to go to. But there's also like that one scene where I think it was the the ghost in the forbidden room, the blurry guy, <laughs> talking about how um he essentially gives like the same spiel as Dawn of the Dead not Dawn of the Dead, um yeah, Dawn of the Dead, where he says he essentially says like there's when there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk the earth, right? Yeah. He like says something about there being like mm. not a, like it's or somebody says it's like it's a, fi- yeah, it's a finite, finite space capacity. and there's not enough there's not enough room for all the spirits, so they're coming out in form of technology. So I thought that was like an interesting, maybe like nod to. Uh, yeah, a couple of reviews that I read, they they weren't sure, but they they thought like this could be 
a di- or direct reference. Yeah. Se- seemed like a direct reference. I really enjoyed, I, I forgot to mention this, the thing I enjoyed the most about it probably was the camera movement. Like, I love... pans? Oh, I love that shit, dude. Like, hanging on one person while the other person's talking, all of a sudden the, pan, the camera just flies over to the other person. I don't... Just great. Like, just great. <laughs> I can't even 100% explain mm. why it's great or, like, what the purpose of it is, but it really... I don't know. It worked. I liked that a lot. Oh, and the... Uh, I don't think this was on purpose, but, like, the rear projection in the bus. Oh, yeah, two scenes yeah. where characters are on bus, and, like, the rear projection is... That was very... I, I like that the, a lot. The angle of the... Yeah. I, I, yeah. I almost feel like it was I on purpose it. just because I liked it so much. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The angle of the bus, the, the way that we're looking at them sitting with the rear projection mm-hmm. is, is insane. I mean, it, that's one of the few notes I made. Um, it might have been uh, a thing where, like, he was, you know, he's trying to build a tense atmosphere. So he gives you this, like, these don't match at all. <laughs> it's like, you know, it just makes you more, like, anxious. Yeah. Like, why doesn't this match? Stop it. You know? And then she, they showed the wide shot as them getting off the bus. And it's like, oh, suddenly we're in reality again. You know, we, and like it, everything works. And, matches. and what is what is being projected? I thought was insane. Like they look like they're going through like these like brown like tunnels. And yeah, it's then, like under a. It looked like it's under a bridge yeah. and like pylons yeah. or something. And yeah, then just, when we see her get yeah. off the bus, it's just like yeah. normal. It's yeah. like a street. Totally <laughs> <laughs> and it's like broad daylight too. You know, it's like it's all dark under the bridge and the rear projection. But yeah, I mean, I yeah, I, th- I thought all that worked really well. So anyway, are you gonna watch the remake? Yeah, I, I again, this bummer didn't get to it. I'll, uh, I'll probably have a, a review for it next episode. I just, I'm so curious, like how, how you Americanize this and like how yeah. you make it more exciting. And they probably just like turn it like jump scares mm. and stuff. But, you know, it's curious. supposed to be horrible. It it's is supposed to be horrible. Kristen Bell and Ian Somerhalder. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be terrible. It's gonna be a trash, trash show. It's gotta be one of the worst things Kristen Bell ever signed on mm. to. The director has only ever directed Pulse Ouch. to remake. Career killer. Stand up. Yeah. Career mm. killer. Uh, oh, I, John Burke is in it? Oh, never mind. It's not. Yeah. Sorry. I kind of want to rewatch some of Kurosawa's movies and watch some of his more recent ones. Like, I, Cure is incredible. And uh, Cure has uh, the ship captain, who I mentioned earlier. He's the, nice. he's the star of Cure. And uh, I think I'm gonna be able to watch that. It's on Criterion good news Channel. A, good news about the remake of Pulse. Brad Dourif oh, nice. is in it. <laughs> Fuck yeah! As as thin bookish guy. <laughs> Let's do it. I don't know. Let's yeah. do it. Octavia Spencer also hmm. the landlady. All right. Let's uh. Yeah. Um, let's do ratings. Yeah, ratings. I'm gonna go three. It's a Four. Three. Oh. And five. So, yeah. oh, wow. We are all over the gamut on this one, guys. Excellent. One of, one of my right. faves. Stayed one of my nice. faves. Are we, we... So we are using this film to do our letterbox roulette, yes? Have to. Have and what to. else are we going to do, right? This is what JR wanted. <laughs> <laughs> we know yeah. what he's what he's getting at if here. you're allowed to game with <laughs> 90s and early 2000s movies... <laughs> Like 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 if we had landed on De Niro in fifteen minutes, I would have won. Give I me mean, a break. Obviously. Okay. <laughs> Give me a break. Jar would have crushed me. Okay, well uh this is uh so our top six actors whose names I'm not going to butcher. Um we're gonna go through them now. We're gonna see which one is which. I've got the dice app out. 
It's on four. Now, if it lands on four again, we're not... We're rolling again, because okay. I'm sick of this stupid app. Three. Wow. Okay, three. land on three. Good. So three Kuyuki. it is. Who played her? Kuyuki. Yeah, she was delightful. All I will say, all of the cast, very attractive young Indeed. people in this cast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, that Kawashima, man. Um, I've well, seen two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's a real dream. Indeed. He's a dreamboat. I've seen two uh, Kuyuki films. I love that hair. Same. Same. <laughs> oh, I mean, two. Oh my God! Really? Yeah. Sorry. That's crazy. Wow. We've all seen two. Because well, we've all seen Pulse and the Last Samurai. Mm. Yeah, I know. I thought you would have seen something else. Should we roll again? I'll tell you what. We'll roll again, and if it's if it's uh, you know again. not if it's tied again, just then we right? will we'll use the director, and you mm. can just win. Okay. <laughs> We're all gonna have I've one. seen one. Yeah, Haruki, yeah Kata, I've seen one. Kawashima, we've <laughs> yeah. all seen this. This guy sucks. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, then we'll do the director, so you win. Um, all right, what are we watching? 14. All right, let's see. Uh, I've seen one. Yeah. So, uh, 3570. Yeah, 3570. Okay, we're generating the number now. The number is 377. Wait. That's, Wait, like, that's like so close to the one we just did. Is it really? I think. Well, that's the yeah. number, bud. What do you want me to do? It's oh, Salvatore Giuliano. Have you guys seen Which that? I have not seen. No. What's it called not. again? Have you seen it, Kevin? Salvatore Giuliano. Mm-hmm. You haven't logged it. It's about a, Mac- a Sicilian bandit. I think I rented this from the library once and didn't watch uh, it. Right. Keeping it Italian. All right, well. Yeah, okay. So, For the next uh, episode will be... Oh, was it? Okay. We'll be watching uh, Salvatore Giuliano and uh, whatever Kevin's pick is. Kevin? So, moving slightly forward in time, we're going to watch Triplets of Belleville. Because I've been been meaning to watch it again, and I was like... This this is a good podcast one. So, did um was this this was done by that same guy who did the other one, yes. right? Sylvain Chaumet. Sylvain Chaumet. Um, yeah. Yep. Right. That's yep. correct. Did the right. Illusionist yeah. and okay. yep. the Illusionist? Yes, yes, yes. And also, it's okay, eighty great. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, perfect. And Jr. loves it. He gave it a five. <laughs> and I rate I rated it I do like highly it. as well. JR is double fives here, going back to back fives. Well, let's see. You know, yeah. Oh, my a Didn't this win the Oscar for best animated? Or was I think it was nominated for like best song. Yeah. Oh, I could have sworn I, I feel like I remember this winning. See, I thought I, I thought yeah, that too um, until okay. I looked it up, and then it was like, oh, it was just nominated for song. It's nominated for two Oscars. Uh, so, song and animated feature. Yeah, but it didn't win, I guess. So. I don't think Shumi's um, won. I don't think the Illusionist won. Yeah, either. which is bullshit. It has to, they, have to, they have to give it to the CG movies every year. They can't, uh, they can't give it to traditionally animated fair. What would that say about the CG industry? <laughs> All right. Uh, so next time we'll be watching Triplets of Belleville. And Kevin and I will be watching Salvatore Giuliano as our punishment. And hopefully, I think... 
I assume we'll be recording after the new year at this Probably. point. Probably. I mean, and uh, we'll have, uh, maybe you have top 2021 lists. We'll try. Uh, yeah. JR and I will. No, let's, uh, let's do top lists next time. You know, if you wait longer, it's not relevant anymore. Who gives a shit about your list when it's February, you know? Exactly. I, yeah, I wouldn't want to do any later than the next mm. episode. And I've got, I mean, I've got 40 films on my list already. You've got 90. So <laughs> I think uh, I think we've got plenty to mm. talk about. Um, and then by that point, hopefully we'll have seen Licorice Pizza and Macbeth and West Side Story and all these other, Nightmare Alley, all these other movies. So, uh, yeah, very exciting stuff. Uh, so until then, thanks for listening. Visit our website, Filmiac podcast.com write to us at filmyakpodcast at gmail.com follow us on instagram and facebook and all the web the website uh, podcast places uh, apple podcasts and spotify etc 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 thank you so much for listening goodbye it's so easy to laugh it's so easy to hate it takes strength to be gentle and kind over 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 It's so easy to laugh, so easy to hate It takes good to be gentle and kind over, over Love is natural and real But not for you, my love Not tonight, my love Love is natural and real Do I still exist? Do I still?